Ladies and gentlemen, you've done it right. You pushed the right buttons in the right order. You are here with us yet again on Libations for Everyone. I am one of the co-hosts, Ben Kwam, sitting only in a room with my co-host, Mr. Charles Watt. Yes, it's just the two of us today. We, uh, much like everybody out there, uh, the, the COVID bug has hit a little close to home, and uh, our, our very fun and wonderful guest has to push his show a little bit as he has come in contact with somebody who is positive. He is awaiting a test result, um, and we'll figure, we'll figure that out, and this is going to happen. And we figured that, uh, well, since our first interview of each other, we've had 10 episodes, so it seemed like as 2020 is winding to a close that this seemed about right. Yeah, episode one was a host. This is episode 12. It's just the hosts. Uh, we might have learned a couple lessons along the way. I bet the audio quality is a little <laughs> exactly. bit better. We're this not is throwing our be mics better. at each other or swinging them over our heads like maces. <laughs> not fading in and out from the microphone as we're talking <laughs> yeah. and crackling. Statuesque. Just positioned directly <laughs> exactly. in front of our mic stands. Uh, well, um, I feel like uh, we should give the, the PNA Hall its wonderful due. Uh, as we've talked about before being in this room, it's just majestic. It's wonderful for audio quality. Just that beautiful little reverb that you get. Um, they are booking right now for 2021, for 2022. Um, if you want to throw a fundraiser, if you're getting married, if you want to have a retirement party, if you want to throw your kid a retroactive graduation party when sanctions have been lifted and we can healthily and cleanly and happily gather uh, this is the absolute spot for it. I'll tell you right now, Quam. I've had this wacky idea. I'm going to pass this on to whoever wants to use it. If you just want to get out of your fucking house, like you and your wife, you want to watch a movie? Like, I have this sweet new projector. Like, I'm sure a lot of people out there have projectors. Book this place. Yep. I, don't, I don't know what the rate is or if you could say, like, look, I just want to watch a movie. Like, set, set a screen up on the stage. I'm going to ask Jaron about this. I'm yeah. going to say, hey, man. How much are you going to charge me? I want to get in there and just set the projector up on the on the stage and watch a movie with my wife. We like, actually so. we discussed doing that. Yeah, um, we, we talked about doing it um, for uh, over Thanksgiving when a lot of us had realized that we weren't going to see our families. Um, there were three couples, and given the size of this space, we thought about uh, bringing our neighbor's projector over and and setting up. And unfortunately, it was just too little time for us to even plan it to bring them an idea. Uh, but absolutely, uh, this place is amazing. Yeah, it's centrally located in Northeast. This place is actually literally four blocks from my house. I live straight down the road here, and it would be very easy for us to, I mean, we could just load up a backpack with booze and a projector. Yep. But anyways, you know, TLDR, uh, what we're saying is book events in the future for when this is all behind us. Yep. Or if you have something that's very private and intimate and very small and you're safe, you can book it right now. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, man. So, yeah, we're, we decided to be fleet of foot and uh, make adjustments just like so many other people have had to this year. And we thought through a couple of guests that might have been able to come on short notice, but that's a big ask right now. So ultimately, we decided, hey, man, we haven't done an episode, just the two of us since episode one. And we thought we would do like a 2020 retrospective slash bad Santa edition. <laughs> and what we're doing is we're going to ask one another questions. They're all related to this year. We're trying to shine some bright light on what was otherwise a pretty dark year. And we each bought three, we brought three bottles of booze 
neither of us knows what the other brought. And so for each of our questions, we're going to alternate asking, and then we're going to pour the booze for one another. We're, we're sitting across two six-foot round tables pushed together, so I can't see what's in his bag, and he cannot see what's in my bag. It's some King Arthur shit. <laughs> exactly. We got, you, oh, you guys got the round table? We got yeah. the double round. Yeah, two round tables. This would be like a bicycle versus a unicycle, Dudley. <laughs> Yeah, and so, Quan, why don't you give them the, uh, the rundown of what the show's about, real quick synopsis, yeah. if they've never listened to this before. So, if this is your first episode, uh, this is Ben and Charles, the two hosts. Normally, we do have a guest with us from all different walks of life, and every 10 minutes, we all take a shot, starting at, at minute zero. Uh, we all take a shot together, and then for the next 10 minutes, or 10 plus, 10-ish minutes, we'll chat about that, and then when the siren goes off... We'll pour another one up, and we'll switch topics, and we'll keep going. Uh, as we always tell everybody, please feel free to play along. Uh, shout out to my homegirl, Ashley, who texted me that she was yelling at her car stereo because she thought if she yelled loud enough, she could be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, we absolutely want you to play along. If you're chilling at home, feel free to, to sip a beverage, one of your favorite cocktails with us as you go. Um, and really, it's, it's, it's the idea of trying to bring back the bar conversations that we're all missing so much. Um, and today we're just going to, Ben and Charles are going to talk about the year. We're getting third person in this bitch, like right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of drinking things we love. Yes. Let's get right into it. And I obviously s- we're having to add this to the equation. It's not just a question. We have to describe what we're drinking and why. Well, yeah. Uh, six times instead of one. But my first bottle, I figured this was a nice way to start things off. I have the, uh, the Lilit Frez, the, the, basically the rosé version yep. of Lilit which is fucking great just as a sipper, uh, which is how I, I usually enjoy it, is chilled. Unfortunately, this isn't chilled, but it's still tasty. But typically, I just drink this chilled, or when I get zany in my kitchen making cocktails, I pull this, this out a lot because it adds a lot of brightness and flavor um, with just one handy bottle. Oh, it's so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour this up. Then. So as Charles is pouring that, <clears throat> um, I love I love Lillet because it's... It was what got me into understanding vermouth. I had only um, had, like, the shittiest room temperature been open for eight months, martini and Rossi vermouth. So when the option of martinis became a thing and, like, the let's all try and be James Bond slash swingers, um, I thought it was disgusting. And why do we need that in there? The vodka was better than this awful, like, tainted, gross vermouth. And really, at the end of the day... It's delicious. You just have to have good stuff. You know, it's the equivalent of drinking, like, tequila out of a gutter and then being like, oh, I don't like tequila. No, you just don't like it out of a gutter. You have to take care of it. It's a fortified wine. Once you open it, it'll oxidize. So keep it in the fridge. It'll last longer. But if that bottle's been in there for a year, it's bad no matter what it is. Uh, I 100% agree with you on just sipping it as a sipper, like as an aperitif. Incredible. I also pour it and mix it with soda water as, like, a little, like, kind of a fizz um, but if I have to just close my eyes and blindly pick a cocktail, I think a Vesper would probably be in my, in my top five. Uh, love a good Vesper. Obviously that's Lele Blanc. Um, but the Rosé, man, this is just so good. Mm-hmm. Or the, the Fraise. Cheers to that. So good. Man. It's juice. You could just pound that. I usually try and only have one bottle of them in my fridge, but I might have to pair that with this because Jenny might get into that, man. We try to go slow on these bottles because this is one of those 
So we have certain bottles that are like vanishing bottles in my house that Marnie really enjoys and just gradually disappears. Mm-hmm. This is typically one of them. Yeah, I'm just You know, good. if we have Americano, that happens too. But uh, when we have one of these, I'm always kind of keeping an eye on it, and I'll be like, Marnie, save a little for me, will you? Easy. <laughs> or like, hey, you got to buy a new one then <laughs> if, if it goes down and I haven't touched it. Like, it's your turn to buy a bottle. <laughs> Question time. I, yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Since we're so booze-oriented here, let's get right into it. Ooh, girl. So, Quam, what's your favorite thing you've drank this year? Uh, it could be like a new cocktail recipe. It could be an old classic that you got back into. Uh, could be something like you were really into during the summer or that you're really into now that it's cold out. I, um, man, that's such, I've, <laughs> I've drank so much this year. Yeah. That's, that's a tough question. Um, I think right off the bat. It could in, be something you learned you hated too, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's a, fair. That's a pretty good question. I haven't, I haven't really done that. Itself. Um, I really, really, uh, my friend John Buck or our friend John Buck, mm-hmm. um, made a habanero tincture early this year Mm. and that i mean he must have gassed his entire house making that (laughs) yeah but it was the most pure and perfect distillate of the sweetness and the heat from habanero peppers beautiful and that in a citrus cocktail was bonkers that in a really bright hazy ipa also bonkers so that would that would definitely be up there um my friend Drew brought uh, over, uh, I think it's a Dutch gin called Ruta, which is made with celery. Oh. And it's the most herbaceous gin I've ever had. Dude, I'm going to have to get the, that name from you after because yeah. that sounds up my alley. And to our listeners, it's R-U-T-T-E. And I don't even know if I'm saying it right. R-U-T-T-E. Yeah. Okay. Usually in uh, like Western European languages, you pronounce all the vowels. So I'm assuming it's probably Ruta. But I could be wrong. It could be wrong. But ruddy. if you walk into Whole Foods and ask for that, you say that, they're not, you, have, you have to say ruddy. Do you get that ruddy, Jay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. This way, sir. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, if anybody's looking for it, it's just a slightly, slightly tinted, like a shaded or a little bit green off of a clear bottle. And then it has that, um, that like cartoon jewel look that uh, Bombay Sapphire has where it starts squared and then it slowly slims to oh, the okay. bottom. Um, that was really fun. In some of the same ways that one of the one of the spirits I'm going to pour is, where it is the herbaceous side that just takes it up a notch because it's almost like it comes with some cocktail bitters. Almost, it's mostly gin, and then it just has this hint, and it's f- absolutely fascinating. I tried to slow pour that one, and it made it like three months in my house. And oh I'm pretty yeah, proud I would crush that. that. I love I love savory yeah. leaning drinks, uh, spirits, you know anything. I, obviously, I love martinis and. You know, an occasional Bloody Mary. I don't drink in the morning much anymore, so I don't drink yeah. a lot of bloodies. But spirits, <laughs> spirits that have those savory elements are just like, uh, I, I can just crush that stuff. Oh, man. I, but um, to answer the question, like the best thing that I drank this whole year, I think so far was um, we got a bottle given to us when we were leaving Colorado. Jenny and I were gifted a pack of beer from our friend Rob and Jen Horf, or Horbelt. And um, there was a, it was the funkiest thing. It was um, like a honeyed, um, it was a honeyed ale that they had rested in tequila barrels and then let wild sour. So there was like the, the description on the label was three lines long. 
and I brought it to um, the subtitles. To be yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I brought it to because I read it, and I'm like, okay, either this is going to be spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. Do you remember the brewery? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Wood Boss in in downtown or in Rhino, okay, in Denver. Don't know him. Okay. Um, because when you know we weren't really planning on going anywhere, but we had an afternoon in Denver. And they were at 25% capacity. So we couldn't really get in much of anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of tried to bop around where we could. And then kind of as like a, I'm sorry, slash, you better come back with more beer for me. They gave me a gift bag of a bunch of breweries that we couldn't go see. Um, so I brought it to the brewery. Uh, I work at Surly. And I brought it to our Brooklyn Center Brewery. And uh, me and the brewers popped into it. And it was, it's always great for me when like actual masters of a craft take a sip of something or when actual really good musicians listen to something that I really like and they're like, holy fuck, this is amazing. I'm yeah. like, ah, I knew it. Really? So that was the reaction to that beer? Yeah, it was, it was, it had that like, that, that sweet honey note. It had a definitely like get you drooling a little bit sour note. It had a, another like malty mid level and then you could taste some of the hops in there and it dried out. Like, I, I've never seen a beer that had that much going on that ended up being so perfectly balanced. And that was what everybody kept coming back to, was like, holy shit, but you can taste everything in that. Like, each one of those flavors should be the hammer that kind of kills it. And they all ended up working in harmony together. That's, it just sounds like a really unique effort, all told. It, it sounds like, to me, it sounds kind of messy in concept, but obviously they were after something. Like, trust me. I, I, honestly, I think the same thing. And part mm-hmm. of the reason I brought it to the brewers was like, is there something that I'm missing that I don't know about what you guys talk about and do every day that would make this seem like it should work? And mm-hmm. they were like, absolutely not. I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so I'm not crazy. And then we drank it. And it was, I mean, it was by far and away. I brought a couple other beers with too. And it was by far and away everybody's favorite. Cool. Well, good on them. You said yeah. Wood Boss, yep. called. They're in Denver. Yep. Nice. And I will, uh, when we post this episode, I will um, immediately, when I post it, I'll put a, a link to the brewery. And I'll try. If they have the beer listed, I'll put the, the actual beer on there. Very cool. Somewhere deep in my phone, I have pictures of the labels. Yeah, so the actual name. It, it might be that I just have to drill down and find it. That should be pretty easy to deduce. Uh, yeah. Wild fermented honey. What was it? Honey? It was like a... a a honey soured tequila barrel aged. Oh, the, yeah, ale. the tequila barrel too. Jesus, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot going on there. And it was. It ended up. You could taste everything. It was just wild. I kept thinking, like, oh god. Like, I actually asked one of the brewers if we could pull something from a tank just in case this is bad, so we didn't like leave it on a bad note. Yeah. And then it was like, absolutely not. This is. We're gonna sit and savor this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you? My my answer is not as glamorous. My answer is very reductive. I think this is the year that I finally just gave up and said it's okay to drink things like High Life or Banquet or, you know, things like Tom's as well. But, like, it's okay to drink. We're drinking High Life right now alongside Hell our yeah. spirits. You know what? It's okay. It's a time and place situation. Uh, and with the amount of consuming we've all done this year, which at least I know in, in my circles we've been drinking a lot and you kind of don't feel like anything when you've gone around the bend and back again 60 times so a lot of times when i'm like you know what i could use a couple a couple soda soda pops this evening i'm like what do i want and i look at all the hazy double ipas and the 
you know, I look at my cellar rack and, and see, you know, bourbon counties and, and various other barrel-aged stouts and adjunct stouts, uh, you know, stout, uh, sours of all nature and, and, and background. And I'm like, man, I kind of just want yeah. something. I just want a beer-flavored LaCroix. Where, where, where can that be had? And it's in my fridge. It's, it's High Life. High Life for Banquet. Those are just in rotation. And, yeah, this year I've drank a lot of this stuff. It's cheap. It drinks easy. I would never say this supplants like the 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 real heavy auteur shit, Mm-mm. but it's nice to have. It's nice to enjoy. It's something you never have to think about. <laughs> if you don't want to think about what you're drinking, this is what you drink. I've tried <laughs> twice to to try and explain this because people are always blown away with like when I go to somebody's house and I'm like, hey, do you have like you want something to drink? I'd be like, you got a beer? Immediately, every single time, they'd be like, I mean. Yeah, but it's like, it's like shitty beer. That's not true. That's not true. You can say it's macro beer, but I always, if Coors Light was my go-to for like that most of the time, and people would check me on it all the time. And I'm like, listen, I like beer and I casually drink more soda water than anybody that you know. This is me putting the two together Yeah, and I enjoy it. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's that. But you also just made me realize I'm wrong. The best thing that I drank this year was a, a 10 milligram THC seltzer in fucking Colorado. <laughs> okay. it, it was it was as refreshing as any. Uh, it was like a squeeze of lemon in a perfect crisp seltzer, and you you could not taste anything. And there was 100 percent 10 milligrams of THC in it. And I don't think I've enjoyed drinking anything that much in my life. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> That's a beverage of another sort, but it counts. You know, I could have said some kombucha or something, except I hate kombucha, so I won't say kombucha. <laughs> Why do you hate kombucha? Because if I want to drink something sour, I'll just drink a fucking wild ale. Yeah, but you can do that <laughs> and still drive. That's what I'm saying. Nah, I'm good. I'm oh, good. It's, to me, it's the exact overlap. I, it's, it's a I drivable like it. wild sour for me. Yeah, not for me. I'll just say, especially because it makes me feel like I am drinking a sour it's a little mind fuck but i and it's like to me to me it's not a very good one i'm like yeah uh, yeah i'd rather be drinking water i drink coffee and water all day i don't drink you know i'll drink like la croix la croix whatever you want to call it and then in the evenings i will partake in the alcohol mm. and i'll drink tea sometimes i like to brew tea especially when it's cold out yeah but other than that i don't really drink different beverages i don't need to mix up my flavors and stuff give me black coffee and water pretty much all day every day and then booze at night we hit as it got single digits the other night i finally went out and i bought some some delicious black tea and i'm i'm it's it's now whether there's alcohol in it or not it's now tea toddy season so lemon juice uh honey really strong potent black tea like funky black tea and then if I want to, I can pour a spirit in there if it's in the evening. Otherwise, just making a thermos of that keeps me going and keeps my voice at least somewhere in this range before yeah. we really start getting into the, I'm yeah. Peter Brady and also a metal singer. Before you get too gravelly. Oh, man, it's coming. Oh, I, uh, it's my turn to pour, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Well, we breezed past that question, yeah. but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. All right. What do you uh, got? I'm going to do a quick little water rinse. So I brought, um, I decided since we've, we've, you and I, I think this year more than ever in our friendship have talked about Mezcal and Akavit. 
And uh, my Akavit uh, collection is more extensive than my Mezcal collection right now, at least in what I'm willing to pour for other people. Yeah, I believe that. So I'm going to pour these up real quick. Cool. Yeah, the last time I was at your house, we had this really beautiful Aquavit. You can't speak to it right now, but um, I know that you do explore those flavors a lot. And uh, I'd imagine you have a pretty sizable collection now. And this is something I want to learn a lot more about. And even including some projects with breweries that I work with, there's a lot of um, Aquavit barrels abounds. And I'm curious some of the things that can be done with those, particularly there's... A lot of breweries I work with want to use like lighter profile barrels, and it's hard to be really creative with those and to like really nail flavor profiles. Yeah. So it's nice to have more options, and Aquavit presents one of those. The only one that I've tried um, that I've – sorry, I, I lump Aquavit and gin into the same category because mm-hmm. uh, chemically they're sort of the same thing. You're taking basically like a base neutral spirit and then you're adding in Mm -hmm. interesting flavors to kind of get it to a certain point. If you go one way, it's gin. If you go another way, it's Akavit. Um, Seattle Cider does a gin botanicals uh, cider, and I think it's absolutely spectacular because they took the notes that they wanted out of that spirit, and that's what they add into it. Um, There's almost always a pretty solid presence of like caraway and rye. Yes. Um, and then it's where do you bring it from there? So this first one, um, I get a lot of like fresh peppermint from it. Um, and then I just get this really long sweetness on the finish. You want to tell us the, the name of it? Well, I was, I was, I was going to get there. This you is, this one. You're going to tease it in? Yeah. <laughs> this one is a, this is near and dear to me. This is one of my, um, this is the last souvenir I have from one of my favorite memories ever. Um, there is a, a distillery and and cocktail bar in Oslo, Norway, called Imko, and um, I went there on a whim with my wife the first time that she came to Norway <clears throat> with me, and uh, we met this really great bartender named Adam. He was an expat from England. Uh, we had a blast, and he kind of gave me a short tour, and I realized that the fucking bar was built in the abandoned warehouse that I used to go to raves at in 1999 when I lived in Norway. And so everywhere I went, like (laughs) the walls are still the same because it's got like the building was built in like the late 1600s. The stove upstairs, (laughs) when when the GM was giving a a tour of the place, Odd Strandbacken, who's unbelievable and one of my heroes on earth, uh, when he was giving us a tour, I have a video of it. And as we're walking by it, he just like offhandedly throws out, oh, and that, sta- that, that stove's older than your country. <laughs> just keeps walking. <laughs> and it's an old wood stove that heats the room, and that's where they throw their private parties. Yeah. Uh, they distill all of their spirits there, but uh, their focus is Akavit. Um, the woman who started it uh, has all kinds of different recipes, and they sent us home. They have aged ones. They have every flavor under the sun you could ever dream of. There's always different barrels going at different times. I had Akavit. It's normally a clear spirit. And I had Akavit that was so black it would make your beard blush. And um, turned out on our second trip there. So they're like an Aquavit house. Yeah. How many varieties do you think they have at any given time? Like seven or eight for sure okay. always going. And then still. four of those cycle through every time they do a new batch. Okay. And then there's different barreled stuff coming out. But they're also they're making their own gins. Um, I know they had done a run at, at obviously, vodka, uh, and I believe they had done some rum, too. 
Okay, so um, mostly neutral stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. It's I mean, it's a it's not a huge distillery. They're making it for themselves, and then they sell at a few of the state-run liquor shops. Okay, but um, we definitely had to do uh, some creative packing to make sure that we would get through customs. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's labeled though. <laughs> that's the, that's the first thing. Yeah, it's labeled and sealed. That's the most important thing. It's, it's labeled ish. <laughs> it counts. You should see the labels we put on my family's uh, Ara that we bring home. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you, you get it. Um, but um, Odd uh, ended up. We we spent a good amount of time there, and then ended up uh, becoming a friend of mine, and we kept in contact. And he fell in love with an incredible woman and an incredible bartender from Chicago named Alyssa. Oh, yeah, we were talking about Yeah, and then when they were here, because uh, I had told him that Minnesota gets down with Akavit, he actually came here with it. And so this was the bottle that he smuggled here for us. Uh, we, we had finished our bottle nice. from him a while That's ago. That's awesome. But he smuggled through one more bottle, and uh, when I was bringing him around, he busted it out of his bag, and he's like, I know you were bummed that you drank the last of this, so here's another one. And you're sharing it with me, which I am. Um, I'm flattered. So what is the name of the distillery? So it's Imco. Um, okay. It is for, for, all, of my, uh, for yeah. all of my fellow grade school folk. Uh, it is H-I-M-K-O-K. So it definitely is Himcock uh, okay. to, to uh, anybody who, who reads things the way that I do the first and time. And there's a serpent on the label, so yeah. that's not weird. They're leaning into it. Um, I think this is the third year running that they've been on the top 50 bars in the world. Um, oh, the, no kidding. The cocktail knowledge there is bar none the best. Um, the, there's a birch cocktail that Odd put on the menu that I will still say straight up and down is the best cocktail I've ever had in my life. And wow. uh, to the point where I actually did the best that I could to recreate it here. And I talked him through how I did it with farmed birch syrup from Bemidji. And he was like, yeah, that's uh, not, not bad. That's, that's interesting. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, how I did mean, taste? Was it? Anywhere was, near? Yeah, I mean, it was in the same realm. Kind of but, like an ode to it as opposed to like a recreation? Well, yeah, because they, they make an, uh, Tom, an old Tom Gin in-house, and I was just mm. using a store-bought one and then trying to flavor it with birch syrup, yeah. where they actually make their old Tom with birch leaves. So I couldn't, that part of it was a little bit okay. off, and then I just dialed the sweetness down in another yeah, You kind of mailed it in, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to get, like, food-grade birch leaves. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know there was such a thing, but <laughs> apparently there is. So to Imko and all of my, uh, all of my wonderful Norwegian Akavit drinkers, Skol. Skol. All right, Charles. Ooh. Obviously, this has been... Oh, man, I love that. That it's, is delicious. It's that... The, the, the caraway rye on the front, and it's that mm-hmm. sweet peppermint on the end that I just fucking love. That appeals to my savory drink nature oh, in a big way. This with uh, anything with like bell peppers or anything like that is spectacular. God, every time I drink Aquavit with you, I'm like, I got to explore Aquavit more. I just never think of it. So maybe I need to make a note. Yeah, make a note. And then let's make a, we'll make a liquor store day together and go. And I can just talk you through what I know about all the brands that they Absolutely. sell here. We can go from there. Um, but bringing it back to our questions, it's been a wild time, obviously, with COVID, where everything just seems like it's kind of been thrown on the ground in a mess, and we've had to try and pick up the pieces. Um, we've both seen a lot of businesses have to immediately pivot 90 degrees and then immediately pivot 45 degrees in a different direction and basically have to keep jumping just to stay open. Um, is there anybody out there that you've seen that has really gone above and beyond to make shit work, to make shit healthy, to make shit survive yeah it's uh 
It's a loaded question because there are so many variations on sidesteps that businesses had to make to try to make it work. You have breweries like Falling Knife, who I work with, that weren't selling at retail when all this shit started and eventually had to close their tap room. And we were like just starting to sell uh, mass amounts of, of crawlers. Like our crawler machine was pumping so heavily that it, it almost went down pretty much every day to the degree that they had to get a backup. Uh, businesses like that and, and, and breweries like them that started doing curbside distilleries that had to be like insanely ingenious meteor uh as a cocktail bar where they didn't even really sell food they like chips and waffles and cocktails like that's their main method of business is selling cocktails and they had to basically shut down their business completely and find ways for them to make some money they were selling hot dogs they made hot dogs with like various toppings we tried some when we had those guys on those were excellent and then there's people who uh instituted safety measures that weren't previously in place because we're playing by a whole new set of rules uh you were talking about someone earlier that is doing curbside like world street and milk jam yeah they're like what car are you in we'll just come right outside so you ring them when you get there they come out they throw the stuff in your window they say have a nice day and you're off and running for me i was a germaphobe before this started now i'm like a mega germaphobe but for me like knowing knowing (laughs) sorry yeah at the at the same time my brain went to a comic book character called Mega Germaphobe yeah, that's me, that just yeah. kills germs. But then on the other side, his nemesis is Mega Germaphobe, who just says that germs oh, don't shit. exist right. because they can't see them. Mm-hmm. And I got really excited about you dressed <laughs> up as both of those. <laughs> Sorry. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah, so like for someone like me that requires a great level of comfort, particularly right now, you know, I have a disabled brother. I have to be particularly careful because of those types of um, things that I need to to remain cognizant of and a lot of people are in the same position as me but all these places that are like curbside delivery like doing incredible things and rebuilding their businesses effectively overnight like this is not the same business it was last night i admire those people so much i can't just pick one so i just picked like eight (laughs) take your pick out of the bunch i think that's it though it doesn't have to be like who's done it the best because god knows this shouldn't be a fucking competition this should be like let's rising tides raise all ships kind of thing um yeah like like you had mentioned um broders blew me away uh broders in south minneapolis that's right was my introduction to scratch italian and quality ingredients and uh to be able to call them or to be able to order online and get fresh handmade pasta San Marzano tomatoes, like the best tomato paste that money can buy, all of that together, um, to me, the fact that then when you pull up, they just say, oh, which spot, which spot are you in? And then you just roll down your window. It's set in your car. You have your receipt. You're ready to go. Like, that's the kind of stuff I got. I have lots of, I have a father dealing with cancer. I have a lot of different people in my life dealing with cancer and or are in remission, but definitely still have to be careful and it's those little things that you notice when people are doing more than they have to just to try and make everybody feel safe like that's that's the stuff that i love the most um even like a a brewery like a dangerous man for instance right now if you go to their crawler shop and you don't feel comfortable coming in they have a tent set up that you can wait in and they will have somebody masked come out ask what you want or ask where you know what your order is under and they'll run in and grab it and then bring it out to you yeah that's great that's the way to do it 
it's little stuff like that that's going to help us get through this and help us figure it out. And I don't know what the answer is right now, but I know that the answer isn't fuck everything, take your masks off, and pretend it, it doesn't work because we're, we're currently at one person dies per minute in this country because of it. So I'm kind of like whatever anybody needs to do to get by, I will try and come and support and do whatever I can. Um, hey, there are some businesses that decided just to shut it down, yeah. like willfully, like, hey, we can't do what we need to do right now. You know, I, f- I really feel for the people that were that were displaced for work by yeah. those situations. Absolutely. But for people like Isaac Becker that shut down very early on, I feel like he at least gave his employees a shot to find a role in a kitchen that was still operating at that time. And as far as I know, all his restaurants have been closed throughout yep, because through. he was like, I can't do this safely and do this accurately. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I can't ply my trade the way that I want to uh, if, if we're working under these conditions. And in a way, I admire that I outlook. I just, I mean, ultimately, I wish all these people, like so many of our friends, you know, people that we practically consider family, I wish that the federal government would support them mm-hmm. and let them stay home and let us cook in our own kitchens yep. so that we can get through this and stop getting people so, so many people sick and having people work like, you know, some people, some people are, are really taking to this. They're able to work under pressure, like a different kind of pressure than they've, they've ever felt before and are probably doing at least okay. But there are some people who feel like they're working with a gun to their head, you know, and it's not really fair. Yep. I wish that things were different. So really all we're, all we're discussing right now don't want to turn this dark. We're, we're discussing people who have done a great job pivoting and making, making do with these unfortunate circumstances that we're dealing with right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's wild out there and trying to figure it out. Like I, I hope out of all of this, we come with a little smelling salt of like, there's a lot, this has exposed a lot of cracks within an industry that we both love and that I spent 20 years in. And these are stuff, these are issues that we were stressed about back then, but nobody wanted to listen. And now I think that there's the power to actually listen. Like, you want to open back up? Offer health care. I think it's really, I, I have a serious problem that I've been trying to figure out, like, how to stay out of this on social media. But I understand the desire for a business owner to want to open up if they think they can do it safely. Like, I, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying I understand the intent of that. But I have yet to talk to anybody whose restaurant opened back up or is thinking about opening back up that is getting healthcare from their business. So if they get sick, oh, we'll screw you, you're on your own. And that's, it's, it's a tough question to have to think about, and we're not going to solve it on this podcast. But again, when you're, when you're out there cruising around and you're mad that the thing that you wanted isn't open, ask a few more of those deep questions and, and ponder that. You know, think about, is that, is that okay? Was that the right thing to do? And I don't know, we'll, we'll figure it out. But until then... Oh, also, sorry, I got to give a shout out to Rectangle Pizza. Um, they're doing, uh, they're giving pizzas away to anybody who's been displaced by the restaurant closing down. Um, so hit them up. I don't know if it's still going on, but I saw it over the weekend, and honestly, I got teary just thinking about that. That not only are they trying to help their own business survive, but they're taking time to cook nourishment, really, really delicious fucking nourishment 
for um, for people who are are out of work or only working part time or having trouble making ends meet. And there's a lot of people that are doing stuff like that. And that's yeah, thing. I, I was going to say that I've I saw that and that's fucking excellent. Grab some if you're a displaced industry service person. Grab some pizza from them. Roll over to Falling Knife. We do a thing there called crawlerships. Yeah, which are free crawlers for people that are service industry displaced. And I think maybe now we're doing um, healthcare people. If you work in the healthcare field, there are free crawlers with your name on them Hell at yeah. Falling Knife. So that's awesome. Help yourself to those as well. I think you're up for the next pour. Let's go. Boop. All right. Boop. I'm trying to figure out the order here, but uh, I am actually kind of feeling like. I'm going to bust this out before it gets too warm because this is meant to be drank chilled. So I got a bottle of Chateau Muselle Sauternes 2018. Ooh. I love Sauternes. Favorite, one of my favorite uh, digestive wines, especially after like a very salty meal. It's pretty yeah. sweet stuff, but if you had a real rich, salty meal, you know, you had eight courses at Spoon and Stable or something, <laughs> ask them to see their digestive wines. Uh, Sauternes is also great because if you're not like, I really like the medicinal, bitter, uh, aggressive Amaros that were used as digestives, but the, the sweet kind of like thicker mouthfeel syrupy side of this, I absolutely understand why this has been used for centuries as like a post meal. Here we go. It's like everything great about dessert. Yeah. It's very much a, a dessert wine yep. and, uh, it really hits the spot. And this shit, I mean, I've had, I've had a 76, and it, I mean, th- this stays forever. Like, I know they, yeah. they yes, they turn. I, I'm just saying, like, as they hyperbole. They turn? Oh, they <laughs> turn. Uh, but, like, as a hyperbole, god damn it. I was like, don't laugh at that, but that's funny. Um, I have to do a shitty pun every episode. You have to do a bad accent. <laughs> so every shit, I don't know what I'm going to do for a bad accent this time. <laughs> it's got to be organic. It'll come up. But, yeah, this, uh, it's just, it's so rich. It's so beautifully rich. It's like like the biggest bodied red wine. It's that, but just with this like silky sweetness to it. That's why they give you such a small glass. Yeah. When you're at the restaurant, you're like, why is that glass of wine so small? Well, you're about to find oh, out. Yeah, you can't drink so a lot good. of it, but it's delicious. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like pastry boys would love this. It's a pastry boy wine. This is the pastry boy wine right I here. I mean, meat is pastry boy wine, but this, this kind of qualifies. Yeah. All right, well, cheers. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. This one isn't terribly sweet either. No, but the apple quality in that, it's almost like, it's almost like autumnal. Like I can picture that immediately. I've never wanted to make a hot toddy with Sauterne, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, that's really tasty. It has almost like uh, sour apple notes. Yeah, absolutely. Or like pear, lots of pear. Yep. I got, I got pear and like tart apple right the fuck off the bat. That's that really good. Is delicious. Let's pull, up, let's pull up that question. <laughs> question number three. Oh, yeah, it's a good one because it's something I've contemplated in recent months uh, with us using more technology to communicate and um, socialize with our friends. So, Quam, has video happy hour brought you closer to anyone that you know that maybe you weren't as close to prior to all of this? Uh, if so, who? And if not, um, has technology or working remotely changed your life this year and how? Um, it's been fun. Like in that first month when everybody kind of got shut down, it was fun watching a lot of friends who don't normally like to communicate via phone or social media. Like they all kind of got into it for a little bit and yeah. then everybody immediately got burned out. <laughs> um, 
I think uh, my my core group of dudes, um, we've for this well this upcoming year will be the seventeenth year. We've uh, had this cooking party that you've attended before, Charles. Yeah, and uh, the very first year. It was four of us guys, and we pooled all the money we could for an entire month and still be able to pay our bills. And collectively, we came up with $400. So it's been called the $400 barbecue ever since. It's not a barbecue, and it never, I wish it did, but it never costs $400. It's always way more. Um, But that group of guys, uh, we all kind of met in our early 20s, and we've stayed together through thick and thin. But there have been a few years where the barbecue was the only time we saw each other. And... um, much like everybody, as you age, like it's always tough when you, you know, your friends grow apart because life gets in the way and some have kids and the others don't and, you know, whatever. And um, I think a, a month or two into the shutdown, we started doing a weekly Wednesday happy hour Zoom for an hour. And honestly, I can't even tell you how full my heart feels every time we do it. It's a bunch of, it's the same guys that I've been talking to. They was all the dudes that were like in my wedding. Like we all do this shit, you know? Yeah. But, uh, given a chance to just talk about, excuse me, talk about the minutia of life, talk about what's actually going on in your world. Like when you only see each other a couple times a year, you never talk about like, how are things going with your dog? How is your wife? Did she get the job? She like, you go yeah. through such big picture shit. Right. That you kind of forget to drill down and talk about like the everyday stuff. And now, you know, we're all 18 years into being friends, basically. And this is the first time that I could tell you how all of my friends feel about politics, what they're listening to right now, like what food they're eating. It's cool shit that you should know about your friends. For sure. And I, I just, we had, we had never, we're, we're typical fucking dudes and we never really talk about stuff until everything shatters for somebody. You know, like those dudes were there for me when I went through my divorce. We've been through some tough shit together, but we didn't talk about it until then. Like leading up to that, it's all like Tommy boy quotes and dick punches and fuck the Vikings. And like we go through all the same tropes trying to get ourselves to just be able to talk openly about stuff. And this has provided the opportunity for us to do that. And each time everybody pours a drink and we all talk about what we're drinking. And then we just talk about how's your life. Yeah, I love that. It's very, there's very few things that I can commit to on a regular basis, but the podcast and the Zoom happy hour have been pretty awesome. What about you? The irony, I think, about this whole situation is, for me, it's people who I am close to that live in other towns where we should have been doing stuff like this all the time. I guess I never really understood why people get on FaceTime prior to all this happening, I have a couple friends who always FaceTime me when they call me. Now I'm like, that's way better than just talking on the phone. I can see you. I can see your kid. I can see your cat. You know, like you can show me you're flipping a burger or whatever. Like I used to be, I used to think that was strange. Why are you, why are you putting me on video, dude? You don't even know what I'm doing right now. So the irony is that like my brother-in-law lives in Atlanta. He and his uh, beautiful now fiance, they live in Atlanta and we never video chatted with them before. We would just like pass the phone around, yeah. not even speaker. I hate speakerphone. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to talk on speakerphone unless it's in the car. That's fine. But now we're like, Hey, video happy hour. What are you guys doing Saturday yeah. night? Like we'll schedule it. Like we're actually hanging out together and it's fucking fantastic. You got my buddy Jeb, who you know as well. I do. Uh, avid listener of the program. Hi, Jeb. What up? I used to watch UFC with him 
every UFC he and I would watch when he lived in Minneapolis. And when he moved to Chicago, it was basically like, I mean, I guess I'll text you if something cool happens while the boys are over. Well, now he's a part of the boys again because when we watch UFCs, we get on live video chat and we sync up our streams so that we're all watching the same thing. And for the first time in like, I think seven or eight years, Jeb is able to watch fights with the boys That's so because cool. he's sitting on his couch in Chicago and we're sitting on our couches, you know, most of us throughout Minnesota and we can all watch the same thing at the same time. It's like, oh shit, how come people didn't do this before? I did that. I actually did that with uh, another good friend and listener of the pod, uh, David Monk from, from Insight, or from Insight, Jesus Christ. It always, hey. it, no, it says it on my phone. When yeah. I, my phone, it never changes. It still says that for my brother. <laughs> I so, don't know why that so won't weird. go away. It's so weird. Prize um, Brewing Company, baby. Prize. One of my other clients. I've done, this, I've done this a few times, so this is not the first time I've done yeah. it. It's because every time he calls, I look at it, it and I just that. see that. Yeah, It's like right. a, a really slow troll. Um, but uh, I had been um, third degree in contact with somebody who was in contact with somebody who was positive, And I just didn't want to push it at all. And we had had dinner plans. And so um, somehow we got into talking about um, Idea, the rapper here from, from St. Paul, and uh, he had never seen the documentary, and I hadn't either. Mm. And so we were like, let's do it. So we went on, like, the Amazon Prime party app, and, like, one person controls the start and stop of it, and then you have a live chat thread going the whole time. And so we watched a documentary about somebody that we both grew up listening to but never had met. We, like, David and I had never met. And then just because I'm a little bit older and was a little bit crazier about the music scene at that time, I just kicked out because, you know, in the documentary, like everybody gets like 30 second sound clips when they're talking about stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I was there that night. Or I got there the next day. And that's not how it happened. But it was so fun because it felt like we were watching a movie together. You know, like it was enough that like we could go back and forth and bullshit. You can't talk in the theater either. So exactly. That's similar. Yeah. It was it was like going to a movie with your homie and then you were already in your bed. Like my dog was sleeping across my legs the whole time. And yeah. I never, I never, ever would have used an application like that. And now I'm in love with it. I'm trying to figure out what's the next thing that we can watch. Yeah, I think we have to be nudged into it so that we can see that it is actually a very useful tool for us uh, societally. Even I think when this is all over, I'm still going to occasionally be like, you know, Brandon, my buddy Brandon and myself watch Vikes games together from our homes, which are one mile away. It could be, you know what, man, I'm feeling lazy. I'm just going to fry up a couple eggs and sit in the guest room. I'll, I'll Zoom you. We'll watch the Vikes game yeah. that way. Because he and I have done that a couple times because it's the, the best solution right now. It's winter here in Minnesota. We can't huddle up in one another's houses, even with masks and stuff. Like, who wants to do that? It's just too much pressure. So we're like, hop on Zoom. We'll watch the game that way. And also sometimes just fuck pants. Like, it literally is nothing <laughs> more than, like, I woke up today and I don't want to put pants on. So I'm going to talk to you wearing athletic shorts while I'm watching the game, and that's fine, and I'm good with that. I feel, I feel less stressed. I feel happier. I feel like I can be my more authentic self because yeah. I'm okay because I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I mean, I've changed a lot this year just in terms of how I feel relaxed. I had probably not stepped foot outside of my door not wearing pants with a zipper on them in probably 10 years. Prior to all this happening. Granted, I have a dog, too, so that's part of it. That's part of it. But I haven't gone outside in sweatpants in 10 years. It's just not my, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't work. Even if I'm working in the home office, I don't work without putting real pants on. But this year, I've been working in sweatpants sometimes. That's wild. And it's like, 
I'm still not, I'll say I'm still not a hundred percent accustomed because there's still a part of me that sometime a couple hours in, I'm like, I, I don't feel like I'm doing like something in my brain says you're not doing a good enough mm-hmm. job. You got to dress up like a working professional. I agree. I'm not wearing a motherfucking blazer or something, but I will put on like just jeans, dude. Just get some jeans on. And sometimes it even makes me feel good to like put my boots on or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then get your feet flat on the floor. You feel like you're sitting at an office desk. I, I mean, I go back so far as to say, like, I used to think that about hangovers, that hangovers will maintain their severity until you decide that you're not going to be hungover anymore. And I still, I'm not quite you who just doesn't get them, but I'm still pr- like, I have friends that are literally calling to sick, calling sick to work the next day, yeah, sure. like hangover folks. Okay. And that's not me. Uh, but there are days where I'm definitely not crisp when I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when I make a conscious decision that I'm going to get in the shower, I'm not going to smell like last night's booze. Shake it off a little. Yep. I'm going to fucking comb out my beard. I'm going to put some beard oil in. I'm going <laughs> to intentionally pick an outfit that makes me look good. And I will walk out of that door 20 minutes later feeling 50% better than I did when I yeah, woke get up. get some vitamin D from the sun. Yeah. Wipe the crumbs the pizza crumbs off yeah. your shirt and the, then uh, stop smelling like a fucking bonfire or cigar exactly that helps you know? oh god the bonfire <laughs> smell that's gotten me a few times like the next morning you get all the steam just brings the bonfire back and you're like oh, oh man yeah that's Woo. something akin to like that's not a hangover for me but if i so for me the first sign of like real spring or one of them in minnesota like art of world for me is a sign of hot season in minnesota yeah art of world is this huge art festival here in, in Minneapolis, it's the biggest art festival in the world. Uh, I digress. But for me, the first sign of, like, springtime is I call them the three smokes. Cigar, bonfire, grill. So if I'm burning hardwood coal and grilling while I'm smoking a cigar, and then I throw the embers into my pit and start a bonfire, and I'm just cloaked, if I'm ensconced, my wife's favorite word, if I'm ensconced in the, the scent and flavors of those three smokes... <laughs> Then it is springtime, baby. But also the next day, like, here's the thing. I love, I love cigars, baby. I love cigars. What I don't love is cigars the next morning that I tasted the day prior. I don't want to taste my cigar that I smoked at 1 a.m. at 7.30 a.m. Okay. I've been done with it for a while now. I'm it's glad. all stale in my beard and shit. I I'm glad that. you said it's okay to say that because that is, is absolutely the thing that has kept me from getting more involved in cigars is it's the best thing ever at the time. Yeah. And then that next day I'm like, and then you get in the shower and your beard and everything gets wet. And you're like, oh, there it is again. Okay. Yeah. If you want to be really diligent, then what you're, what you're doing is when you're done smoking, Immediately brush your teeth, mouthwash, yep. uh, and then, like, wash your beard. But, man, washing my beard is a big to-do. Yeah. This is a thick beard. Like, I got to basically take a shower if I'm, like, I got to wash my face. But occasionally I'm, like, I don't want to be smelling this for the rest of the evening. And I'll do, like, a little, uh, you know, biker biker bath, <laughs> uh, hand soap, wash of my, just, like, my the top part, like the mustache. Just because I don't want to smell, like, old smoke. You know, it's the old smoke portion of the yep. equation. Like it was good when it was fresh. It's not good. It's not, good. It's not pizza in the fridge, baby. Nope. It's no good the next day. Believe me. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. Oh, I will also say, going back to your FaceTime thing, it's it, it has to be a rating of importance to me. I will never answer when people only FaceTime me because you just have to let me know it's important. So text if it's just random. 
Yeah. Call if you like need a quick answer. FaceTime me if you're doing something cool. If I know you're on vacation and you FaceTime <laughs> me, I will answer every okay. time. Even if I'm like in my underwear, I will find a way to hold the phone so you don't know I'm yeah. into it. If it's like Tuesday morning and you're randomly FaceTiming me like while I'm like getting ready, like I'm going to silence it every time. What's a weirder flex than someone FaceTiming you and you answer and they're just like, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> I didn't have fuck? to see your fucking face. <laughs> I'm going to see you in that. 10 minutes. No. <laughs> like they're in the car. They're like, just so you know, I am on the way. <laughs> I just wanted to break another law. Really? Yeah, for sure. Just try to do as many of Let's those make this as treacherous as possible. <laughs> uh, well, what do we got? This is uh, Breckenridge Distillings Akavit. Oh, uh, I loved I was not prepared to love this as much as I did. Uh, they obviously brag themselves as a whiskey company, but um, they harvest a lot of the um, a lot of the roots and the, the bitter herbs in this uh, above the tree line in the Rocky Mountains. So they go out and actually forage a that lot is, of the flavors that are rad. in there. And I thought that was really cool. The gentian root. And then um, I'm blanking. There's another uh, flower petal that they use in here. Both of those only exist above the, the tree line. And they're like, so we can actually make this pretty affordable because most places have to spend hundreds of dollars importing these for each round. And we just cruise up and spend a day with all of our, our distillers and packagers foraging. So cheers. So you still have that same like front caraway rye beginning. But this one is a lot more floral. More yeah, there's a lot more going on. Um, Spicier. I also think that this is a really great representation of Imco's Akavit, which is meant to be drank by itself and used as a mixer in cocktails, mm-hmm. whereas this is meant to be drank by itself. Yeah, this seems like a sipper, too. Yep. This has got to be much higher proof than the other one. Um, well, we don't have a proof rating on the right, bottle that one's that's just 100% legal. serpent on it. <laughs> Uh, this is ninety, so that's probably okay. eighty. Yeah, I would ninety assume. seems ninety seems considerable. So, what's the standard? Do you know like the standard proofing on Aquavit? There's really not one. It's okay. not. It's not as pronounced. Like they're just not as regimented as the the whiskey people or the um, the tequila people are, because a lot of these have backgrounds in poverty, and so in like to look at Norway specifically to look at their trajectory for Aquavit. Their moonshine is called Karsk, and okay. it's not good. It's, it's, I mean, it's Everclear. It's 190 proof. It's, it's absolute white lightning. Yeah, most cultures, white lightnings are pretty bad. And everybody, <laughs> every culture has one, basically. Yeah. And so it's like, what do you guys do to figure it out? And so Akavit exists because it's all hardy things that poor people could get their hands on. Sure. Um, it's much like, like our sort of southern comfort food. It's cuts of meat that were eschewed by the rich that mm, then... That poor, are now expensive again. Right, because poor people figured out how to make them <laughs> right. delicious. And that's the history of like pretty much all of the food I love. And now I'm starting to notice more and more. It's also the history of a lot of the beverages that I love. Is It's people making do with what they could because they weren't given an excess of plenty. So they, they just didn't have to try. You Almost know, all the best things come from humble beginnings. Absolutely. I mean, lobsters were... You know that was that was slave food. Yeah, there was no. We don't want to eat these bugs. And then they were like, "Wait a second, they taste good." You're telling me it tastes good? Well, now let's drown it in butter. But that's, I mean, you know, the whole world went through that industrial revolution, and that was where we saw a lot of those dividing lines happen. Because in Norway, as a farmer, you didn't necessarily 
really have to worry about wealth until the 16 or 1700s when everything privatized. Like if you were cool, you would basically like grow food on the land and then you got all your needs met by whoever like the local fiefdom was. It was all built on like tribalism from Vikings. And when all land got privatized, the reason that we have the amount of Scandinavians in the U.S. today is because overnight, a lot of these people lost everything they had. Yeah, they were displaced. Yeah, they were just told the next day that they don't own the land they live on and they need to get the fuck out. Yeah. So you have a lot of these traditions, and I'm not going to liken this to Ludafisk, but Ludafisk also comes from the same humble mm-hmm. backgrounds where it doesn't matter if you like it or not. We're just trying to make this palatable so it'll last so you can drink it. Like Karshk, my only experience with it is either drinking it straight or pouring it into coffee because the Oh, hot, really? They pour it into coffee as well? The heat of coffee eliminates the burn the from, from the booze. No, you just, don't, you just don't observe it in the same way because yeah. you get to heat the temperate heat. Yep. That can, so in Lebanon, like as we we're talking about this, Ada, like that I used to make with my uncle who passed away from COVID this year, my uncle Antoine, yeah. uh, he and I used to make... Uh, Ara, this really high-powered distillate that is, um, it's like a, it's like ouzo, but in Lebanon it's like really high proof, and someone will slap you if you call it ouzo. Yeah. They call it Ara. Same thing, humble beginnings. Um, it's, it's, it's an anise. It's, it's, yep, yep, it's distilled white wine with tons of anise in it. Mm. And they say you can drink it hot off the still when you're bottling, but if you drink it hot, it'll make you hammered right away it's not that it's hot it's that this shit is powerful and if you don't dilute it because when you dilute it it's clear and when you dilute it it clouds up it turns white it's like ecto cooler which is why i fell in love with it in the first place everclear does the same thing yeah dude isn't that a fucking cool effect like it's magic it's a magic trick but that's what it is is dude this shit's like 130 proof that's why it got you drunk off the still it's not because it's hot it's because it's noon you haven't had anything to eat yet and you drank 130 proof booze you're crushing barrel proof spirits like it's going out of style <laughs> sipping it like tea holding it like baby yoda that's smart just, that's so awesome all right, what's your question? Yeah, we were just talking about Akamid all day. I know. I knew we were going to talk about booze a lot with all this stuff. So, so I think this is an app question for anybody out there listening that lives with a significant other. And I, I would even say for you out there listening, if it's a roommate, you, you please feel free to throw in on this too. Uh, this year, we have spent more time at home with our wives and our, our furry children, our pets, than we ever have before, and I'm going to guess than we ever probably will until maybe like 40 years from now. Yes. Uh, and even then, I would hope that I'm outside more. Right. Um, what have you learned about your relationship or your home life or anything about that that you wouldn't have known maybe if we had kept the same frenetic pace that we had <laughs> up until now? Yeah. So my now wife and I moved in together not too long into our relationship i mean granted we're talking like two years we were together about two years and i remember at the time she was like oh we're gonna be around each other all the time are you ready for that and me thinking and saying yeah that's why i'm asking is because i want to be around you all the time (laughs) this is like a whole other tier this is like god tier being around each other all the fucking time yeah And I know that it's been difficult on some people, but man, I got to say, 
it's like a reaffirmation and you brought some reaffirmation theories up in the last episode with Justin Sutherland. This very much has been, I think like a baptism by fire in a sense, because I'm we're, so we're, we're codependent independence. We, we rely on one another cause we're married, but we're very codependent. Uh, I would have never married someone that wasn't chill about like, Hey, I'm going to go to tilt and play some pinball with a couple of the guys. Um, I'm going to falling knife at 9 PM for a couple beers. I am going to go watch fights at Dewey's house. Like that's our relationship. And I treasure that, but we're, we are stuck together now. We cannot do that. I can't go to tilt. I can't go to falling knife. I can't go to Dewey's house. So we're around one another all the time, and we've discovered, damn, we actually just really vibe, and we're totally cool being around one another 99.999% of the time. I think there, you know, we're, we have some frustrations that arise. Typically, in this year, they're born out of the fact that we have a puppy and trying to wrangle him and his behaviors and how he gets along with my cat and each of us trying to like cordon them off to different parts of the house, that kind of thing that can be frustrating. But for our like interpersonal relationship and our growth as a couple, almost six years in, I'm like very impressed with how, how well we bond in such a tight space together all the fucking time. What, what, are you, what is your assessment of like your own situation with the same number of living beings in yeah. your house? A man, a woman, a dog, and a cat. That's, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like a, the same. We're, we're mirrored. We're like a late '90s, early 2000s sitcom waiting to happen. We're a we're a 2020 sitcom yeah, we're with 20, Zoom there you go. with, with yeah. Zoom mirrored over Zoom or some bullshit like that. Be like tomorrow's episode of Who's Zooming Who? And Zoom then it apart. Be like, it'd be like a really bad cover of Aretha Franklin's like Who's Zooming? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, man. We, I, I, I will straight up say, uh, I used to roll my eyes all the time when people would be like, I finally married my best friend. Uh, and this year has proven it. Like, the amount of time that we have spent together, and I am still not sick of her. Like, <laughs> I still laugh at all of her, like, goofy dances and her, like, dad puns. All of them? Really, truly all of them. Like the other day, she just came into the kitchen while Jenny, I was cooking. Jenny, you're a lucky lady. She, she's unbelievable. <laughs> she came into the kitchen, and I was cooking, and she was like, I'm going to put dishes away, which obviously kind of gets in the way of me when I'm cooking. And, well, hang and, on. Let me digress. Are we including the booze talk on our timer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because these are going by quick. I'm like, I didn't talk about Marty for 10 minutes. Well, so. I didn't expect us to talk about Akavit <laughs> in the history yeah. of it for six minutes. You know, like, I, I'll, I'll wait next time. But really, the... the the siren is so ineffectual anyway for us. It's just more of a, we have a marker down. I kind of also wanted to draw a little bit of attention to it. Yes, we still use a buzzer. That was oh, yeah. 10 minutes. Also, it's not, it's not very close to my microphone right now. The extension cord that we uh, used the last time I was here is not getting power. So I will have to figure that out at another time. But anyway. Yeah, sorry. But she, she like, she's got this way. Like, she's not going to say excuse me. She just starts doing a goofy dance and just pushes me out of the way to, like, get to the cupboard where she's putting stuff away. And I honestly, like, I can't imagine my life without that goofiness in it. I love to laugh. I love to do insane shit. But, like, when I'm home alone, a lot of times I get in my own head. And she is such a loving dog mom. And because of that, Harold's our cat, the boy cat, has kind of gravitated towards me. 
So, like, when I go downstairs to our, like, rec room basement to watch football, Harold comes with me. And then Millie and Jenny hang out upstairs and, and lay on the bed and watch true crime documentaries. And it's just, like, everybody, I think at least, everybody that knew me sent texts in, like, the first month of the shutdown, like, are you okay? Because I'm such a social creature. But really what it is is I just like having connections with people. And uh, my previous relationships through my 20s and, and up until I got divorced at 30, um, there was a lot of jealousy running through that. And some of it was real because I wouldn't get emotional connections at home, so I would find emotional connections with other people because I could talk to them. Um, and then some of it was invented where there's – at the time when I was DJing and bartending, part of my job is making, me, making people feel like – they're my best friend or that I'm flirting with them or whatever. Like that's part of, that's part of the job. And, uh, that ended a lot of relationships and Jenny and I, for whatever reason, had some pretty honest talks when we first got together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember saying to her, if I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not with you until I find another woman. Like if we're together, we're together. And she was like, cool, just the, that was all I needed to hear. And I remember thinking, like, there's no way that's actually true. And she has. You know, there's people in my life that she doesn't like, but there's not anybody that she's ever been, like, crazy jealous of because we are, just like you said, code, codependent independence. Like, she knows that she needs time to just bounce out and go see her girls or go walk around a lake or go shopping for business clothes. Like, she knows what to do, and I do too. There's times where... I'll go for a walk. There's times where I need to listen to a podcast because I need to think about something or I bought a new album I'm excited about and I want to listen to it front to back. So I'm going to go out. Yeah. I've just driven around and, and done that in my car because I just need a little time. But right. Being and So have you discovered that even in your own home, you, and I think a lot of people listening could probably relate to this as well. Have you found that even in your own like domicile and your space, you guys have found ways to do your own thing in different spaces. Absolutely. It sounds like you do that. You go down in the basement, you yep. hang out with Harold, and then she can do her own thing in a different part of the house because that's we've also found like it used to be that pretty much every night the the default plan was what are we doing together and then we'd have to be like yeah all right that's uh one too many episodes of 90 day fiance I'm going to go in the other room. Yeah. But now like we will just be like, what are you feeling tonight? Do you want to kick it with me? Or do you have some shit that you want to do? And then we like are having our independent experiences, but in the same house. And we're like, okay with it. That's the other thing is I think with some people, they're not in the type of relationship that you typically do that, which is okay. Like everyone, everyone does things differently. There are couples that always go to bed at the same time. We're not one of those, but we now like during the day we'll confer. I'll be like, you know what? I want to play my video game. Yeah. I'm gonna, when I'm done working, I'm going to fire up the PlayStation. <laughs> so uh, where do you, so that's, you probably land in a similar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I have a few friends that have significant others that just, if they go to a different room, they follow them to that room. And I'm also very glad that I don't have that relationship because I would lose it. Like I, I have to have a little bit of just independent me. I don't necessarily even have to do anything with it. I just have to know that I can, you know? Video games have been a thing. Growing up an only child, uh, video games were always the thing that was for me. Like, I could watch TV, but we never had cable TV, so there were like four channels, and then my mom would ask, yeah. like, what's going on? We're that old. Yeah. 
video games were something that my mom had no interest in. So I knew she would never come into my bedroom, and I didn't have anybody else in the house for most of that time. So it was yeah. just me. So video games became an escape for me because it was a story that I knew the only other person in my house would never have any interest in. So that was, that was just for me. So is it still like that for you? It, there is a piece of that because no matter what I've tried, even for her love of South Park, <laughs> Jenny would not sit through either of the South Park video games. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to play it. I just want to watch it. And I'm like, well, I mean, you could if you wanted to. But then I'm like, well, no, it's kind of nice having this one for me. And okay. the only time it's been weird is with um, like Red Dead Redemption was a great example. I got really emotionally invested and I okay. would like I would come upstairs like as as both the original and then the sequel were coming to an end, knowing where it's going. Like I would come upstairs like emotionally beat because like oh <laughs> what shit, happened? Yeah. yeah, you know like it's it's really rare if you the only thing I could c- come up with is if you got obsessed with like a trilogy or a quadrilogy in movies and you invested you know twenty five hours of time into this story or like a really good TV show. Right. And you invested like two years into loving this show. And then they're like, and this is when your favorite character dies and there's nothing you can do about it. And then the story's dead. And like, that is crushing. Like halo did that to me. The red deads did that. Uh, the last of us did that. It's really sad how much, but it makes sense because we get obsessed with TV shows. We have characters that we love. We get obsessed with movies. Yes. We have characters that we love. And you spend arguably more time on but some games. So that's just for you. Yeah. Do you ever like find yourself being like feeling this gravitational pull where you're just so mesmerized by something you're experiencing in a game that you want her to experience it to you? Because there's times I'm playing because I'm going to get to this in, in my next question. There are there are a lot of games that came out this year. That was one of the best things that happened this year, actually, is there were a litany of incredible AAA titles that came out this year. And I'd be playing these games and being like, oh, my God, like this story, the landscape, like the characters. I wish Marnie could experience this because she would like a TV show that had all of this content just presented in a different way. How can I... How can I interest her in this? And it's always like a latent thought, but I know that it's never, it's not going to happen. Like, I think she maybe would sit down and watch me play Ghost of Tsushima, but dude, I played that for a hundred hours. She's not going to watch a hundred hour movie. <laughs> that's, that's it. And, and it's, it's so tough because like, I, I do walk that line a lot. Like I am the part of me that still loves rom-coms. Like we talked about before. Um, that guy is still a hopeless romantic and unfortunately that quote hopeless romantic guy had a lot of baggage with him because of things that I had learned from like eighties and nineties about like the nice guy just waits around and eventually he gets the, like there was a lot of bad toxic shit that I took from that. But now that's still a residual thing is like there, um, there's this great case choice line, um, about, uh, uh, if you're not scared, then why am I is the name of the song. And the line is, um, teach me how to see this game the way you see it through that magical frame. Because it's the idea of her sitting next to her lover who's watching, ostensibly I would assume soccer since this is a European band, (laughs) and like not understanding we're watching the same thing and it's the most emotional thing ever for you. I'm right next to you watching the same game and I don't get it. So like help me see the magic of that. 
And as I got, like, I used to, that used to be what I always wanted somebody to say to me, like, teach me how to hear that song the way that you hear that song. And I, like, desperately wanted to, like, find, you know, the manic pixie girl that shows up out of nowhere and breaks all conventions and da da da. And what you, <laughs> what you realize is, if that's the case, you just want somebody to follow you and slowly turn into you. And I also don't want that. You yeah, know, like I want to be able to share the things that I love with Jenny, but I do with like 99% of them and forcing her to try and like something that she doesn't like because I like it and then making her sit through that. There's no way like that's the best part about art is you just find beauty and it hits you. I can't explain why I love music and why it speaks to me the way that I do. I can't explain why I had to wipe tears away from my eyes as the character who's the well, basically... No spoilers for anybody. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to say that and not screw up. <laughs> yeah. as a lot the of main, people playing video games As right the main now. character <laughs> of a story that I loved is slowly dying from a disease you found out that he had, and you realize that he's literally losing weight in front of your eyes as you play, you know that the story is going to end, and it's gonna, it has to end with him dying. And yet you still want to keep playing because you want to spend a little bit more time with that character right up until the end. That is, that's also like an honest relationship, but that's also a relationship that I built by myself. The only way anybody else would find that as beautiful is if they had sat with me the entire time, you know, building that, that, that connection to it. Sure. So it's like, it's unfair of me to want that because I also, I'll admit, I didn't, I wouldn't want her sitting there for a hundred hours of gameplay. Yeah. Because there's plenty of times where I'm fucking up and I can't figure out how to get through something. Yeah, yeah. Or and you I would say, shorten up your playtime so that yeah. it's not as drudging to to experience it alongside you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I bet we'll go over a lot of this stuff when we do our spoiler alert Valentine's Day episode with the the our our special ladies. We're gonna do an episode where it's the the wives and us. And we'll talk about these things, likes and dislikes. We could go into a whole tangent regarding like how alike we are comfortable being with our partner. Yeah, you know, I think that Marnie Marnie's open to like fifty percent of the things that I like, and fifty percent she's just like I don't care, and I'm cool with it because I have tried yep. in in my in my youth, I in my like twenties, I tried to be with women who liked all the same things I like, and it turned out. I don't like myself that much. It's a fucking like, mess. A yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I let someone else experience me. I don't want to do this. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing is like, I think a lot of us, and I'm, I'm speaking for a few listeners out there who we've texted back and forth over the last few episodes. A lot of us, um, we're taught to like a trope, not necessarily an individual human. We're taught to like, Oh, well I'm more into like this kind of person. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Because at best, you're wearing a costume and maybe eschewing a couple things from that. Yeah. But, like, rarely is anybody the thing that they're trying to be, especially in their teens and, like, early 20s. We've talked about this on the podcast. We're not the things we like. Exactly. But there was an era where you were supposed to make yourself the things that you liked, you know? Like, in college, you could still name which groups people were in. And that's a wild thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. He just showed me what we're drinking next. And whenever you get to this episode, I'm assuming probably in, like, June, Steve Norton, this next one's for you. <laughs> Norton? But, you know, it's like... Hey, what are the odds that, he, that you brought this up, like, an hour ago, too? I'm like, fucking right. Uh, 
I'm, I'm so weirded out by that. That's well, you amazing. can tell the people what we're drinking. Yeah, well, we're, we're about to sip some Malort. And I, I, got, I got a text from a, an old friend from college who I adore. And he was like, thinking about drinking Malort. What do you think I'm doing? And I'm like, listening to the show. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think the best part. Okay, this doesn't throw anybody under the bus. And it doesn't say anything bad about my incredible wife. But like, I remember when we first met. She was like, you have no idea how weird I am. And I was like, you also have no idea how weird I am. But she's like, I'll outweird you. And that became like a thing for a little while. And really quickly, we both realized neither one of us are really all that weird. We're goofy. Yeah. But like, we just like different things. And we hadn't found other people that liked all of those different things. We had found people that liked some of them and not the others. And that's also completely okay. We overlap more than... I ever have with anybody I've ever met, but I've, because of that, I've also enjoyed the things that we don't overlap on a little bit more. You know, it took me until 2019 to not feel guilty. We had been together for eight years at that point to feel not guilty about going to see multiple concerts without her. Cause on the, on a weeknight, like she has to be at work in the office at six 30 or seven. Sure. So if there's a, like a headliner going on at 11, it's not going to work. I used to feel really guilty about that. And now, like, she'll listen to me tell her about the show. She'll listen to the music. Most of the time, she'll even get into the music. Yeah. But that show just wasn't going to work out. And having that understanding with each other, that it's okay if I go, and it's okay if she stays home, and we're both going to meet back up at the end of the night, that was, that was a huge hurdle for me to get past, or a, a big step for me. I don't know, whatever. But I love it. It, it, it's a more honest and open relationship. And then there's no like pulling and pushing about like guilt over what can we do and what can we not do. And can I push you too far this night? So you're super tired the next day, but then I'll make up for it that night by rubbing your feet. And no, let's just do what we want. If you're there and you want to go with me, awesome. There will always be a ticket for you. If you don't, that's also awesome. And maybe I'll try and, you know, make Charles go to see another one of my heroes yeah. from 20 years ago. <laughs> I can dig it. Well, cheers to being weird. To Malort. <laughs> no better no better spirit to cheers to being weird than fucking Jepson's Malort. I'll have another. No, I'm just kidding. I actually love Malort. Oh yeah. This would be this would qualify pretty high among my spirits that I love this year because I've always really enjoyed Malort. I've never had a bottle of Jepson's in my house until the pandemic. Is it weird if I tell you we've been through I, three? I've been through plenty myself, but I hadn't actually had a bottle oh, in yeah. my possession. If I wanted to drink Jepson's locally, I'd go to Meteor. Yep. And when I burn through like four cocktails on that list, I get a big glass, ice cold glass of Falling Knife Toms and some Malord on the Rocks. Because this is actually like a very complex and beautiful spirit. Absolutely. It has a lot of like florality. What people can't get past is the bitterness. The bitterness is significant. It sticks with you for quite some time. But for a Lebanese boy, like, we eat a lot of bitter food growing up anyways, like my mom cooking and stuff. Lebanese people love bitter stuff. So this appeals to me. And actually, I've told you this before, but when I judged Iron Bartender with Seme, and I, I believe we deduced in the last episode that was 2015, Seme and myself are both Middle Eastern, and the um, the wheel landed on Ilasir Novisalis, 
which is an incredibly bitter Italian liqueur. But beautiful. Yeah, and he and I actually docked all of the participants in that round because they tried to hide it as opposed to elevate it or, like, uh, accentuate its features. They buried it, and we were like, dude, we can't taste it. And they were like, who are you guys? And we're like, yo, we, we like bitter shit. We do. The, I, I wish it wasn't so, like, eschewed. Because there is plenty, there are plenty of people that like hot stuff, but people don't say, "Oh, it's hot." The way that they do it, like, "Oh, I heard it's disgusting and tastes like medicine or band aids." Like, it's just another one of the, of the sections of the flavor tree. Yeah, um, people don't like people don't speak to the qualities of like cantaloupe and like grapefruit. This tastes like right now the flavor that's still in my palate because it does linger. I'll give it that, but the bitterness that's lingering is very much like a grapefruit or like pomelo mm-hmm. pith, which it's, I love. It finishes, honestly, the same way that like a lot of really citrusy but really bitter IPAs do too. Like to me, that's the same path. that Just it, hangs out a little yeah. longer. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend named Mikkel uh, from um, northern Sweden. I'm blanking on the town. And I don't know if this is true or if he was just bullshitting me or if this is just like what his friend said. But um, their whole spin on, on Malort and the like the bitter liqueurs of Scandinavia was um it's it's short and sweet like a Swedish summer and it's long and bitter like the rest of the year. And that was how he described the flavor. That's adorable. And I was like, oh my god, I live in Minnesota. That is exactly perfect. Yeah. Like, no, I love it. Like, and <laughs> it, I think it should be a more celebrated spirit, but I'm okay that it's not because it's hard enough to get myself some I, of this. I had to decide between this Breckenridge um, Akavit and their mm. bitter, and I chose this because I thought it had more links to my current loves, but sure. uh, I'm in the process of getting a bottle of bitter shipped up here, and I would love to do... I'll bring that to one of the shows. Cool. I'm into it. Should we get on to Let's do question it. number five? I held off on the timer this time so we can actually see... We actually, so we, we went off on a tangent that directly appeals to this question, but uh, I'm happy to expound on it or talk about other stuff. But the topic number five is what kind of lazy man shit have you been into this year that you would have never got away with in a normal year? <laughs> I, I wanted to have something so much more high-minded, but honestly, it's the fact that like I couldn't tell you a time in my life that I have gladly skipped more showers than I have this year. Okay. Yeah. I am I am as fanatical about showering as anybody I've ever met. And it's not like multiple times during the day. I do not feel like I am ready to leave the house until I have stood under hot water. Yeah. I I am obsessed with it. We had a, a roundtable discussion on a podcast years ago with seven guests, okay. and when they were talking about what would you what would you miss in a zombie apocalypse, this was right when Walking Dead was huge, <laughs> yeah. and everybody was coming up with all this like like oh man like a fresh grilled steak and like da 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 da, and it got to me in a zombie apocalypse. I was like, it's a tie, and they're like what, right. and I'm like hot shower and gold bond, and they were like what, I'm like well does gold bond expire? <laughs> No, but there's going to be a time where it gets all sucked up by somebody, like some okay. some local like 
the leader gotta, of the local township. You just got to clap up that cold that's box right away. So that's, <laughs> like, y'all are going to be fucking looting firearm stores and shit. I'm going to be going and getting the, the gold bond yeah. truck. I just saw a gold bond semi ripping down 94 at 110 miles an hour. I guarantee you that was Quam. Let's go. Done. You'd be like, <laughs> I think we got to go up north, guys. Quam's on the way. But he was like, well, how do those two go together? I'm like, because it's a hot shower until hot showers are gone. And then after hot showers are gone, it's a lot of fucking gold bond. Because if we have to go through an entire Minnesota summer unshowered, there's no way I can exist without gold bond. Oh, like, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And look, I don't know how it works. Maybe skin just gets leathery when it has to and everything works out. But I will tell you that that first summer will be awful if I have access to neither. So Man. I, the fact that this year... I have probably had, I'll just say 14 days that I have just not showered. That was huge. So that is definitely some lazy man shit where I'm like, if I know I don't have to leave the house. Are you a daily shower guy? Absolutely. Yeah. I have been for most of my adult life. I was as a, like, as a kid. No, me too. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying like living on my own especially, but yeah. I've always, yeah, I've always been a shower a day guy. I, shit. Uh, in a lot of my adult life. When I lived on my own, I, you know, I moved out in my teens, but in my like early twenties, I was a two a day dude. And that's that apparently even doing it once a day is not good for your body. Yeah. I mean, but I'd be like, it'd be like nighttime and I'd be like, fuck, it's hot out today. I'm going to take another shower. I have a legitimate like shampoo and conditioner regiment or just conditioner sometimes regiment that I do with my beard oh, just really? to make sure that it doesn't get like dry and crackly. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't even care. I don't even care that it, it's, you're not supposed to for your own skin oils. I have gone too far down this life, and that is something that I am, like, obsessed with. And I think, you know, maybe if I had ever had access after puberty to a bathtub that I could sit in and take a bath, maybe I would have gotten into that. Mm -hmm. Ain't going to happen, and I don't have anywhere near the amount of money it takes to build, a, like, a natural seven foot bathtub so uh until we get to that i'm gonna be a shower every day guy and that has been you're a jacuzzi boy oh absolutely get them bubbles i am my my <laughs> poor wife that's something else we don't line up on she hates hot tubs thinks they're disgusting and they make yeah. her faint what about a jacuzzi she doesn't like a jacuzzi tub a fancy hotel room jacuzzi tub Come no on. because she she's a germaphobe too okay she's like there's no that way that water is Fucking singeing. Still not hot enough to kill all the germs. Full of soap. Dude, we have our our hot water on our sink pours out of the faucet at 161.8 degrees. That kills almost all bacteria. Period. She'll still come in with bleach. Like it's it's wild. I've cooked okay. chicken with the hot water from our sink. She still comes in with it. I, I will get tell it. you using a jacuzzi in a fancy hotel room for me is not it's not a bath it's an activity yeah oh absolutely yeah i hate pools partly for that particular reason there's just there's certain things that we've both just accepted in our lives that we will never understand and uh that's fair. That's, no, that's one where hey i guess more hot tub for me uh i know for a fact if we're both going down there and she's going to be done in five minutes if she did push through i'm good for 20 i will turn the timer twice before I will leave a hot tub. Yeah. Primarily because I never get that experience. I don't remember the last time I was in an actual hot tub. Or, sorry, or jacuzzi, but... Yeah, uh, I've been in jacuzzis because I like to book hotel rooms when we're on vacations and stuff. Like, the last time I was in one was when we were in Vegas in February, which, like, we're celebrating now that we did that because of what this year has been. 
but being in having a jacuzzi in our room was fucking awesome how cool is that like especially now but a real hot tub like a big you know fucking uh you see the commercials for like the pool and recreation companies that sell hot tubs i remember the last time i was in one of those and my neighbor who lives across the street if you're listening daniel wellendorf one of the owners of modest he has a (laughs) fucking hot tub in his yard he's never invited me into it that's awesome i don't know if i take him up on it either it's just nice to be invited (laughs) i got i was at um Abe Popowitz's parents' place, and they also have a hot tub. But outside of his dad, everyone in that family is, like, short, short. And so <laughs> they cussed, he, he literally built the hot tub himself. So it's like, it's like, a, it's, it's like the shape of a beer can. So it's really, okay. it's really deep, but everybody's legs are close together because everybody's small. <laughs> Do you stand in it? Well, I mean, it got to that point. You're that like, small, you got to stand in it. <laughs> we had... Mm-hmm. We had five of us up at his parents' place. Is it just a dunk tank with like a water, with like a sous vide in it? Holy shit, yes. That's exactly what it is. It's a fucking dunk tank with four benches in it. It's a sous vide dunk tank. So there were uh, three of the people that were there were all very short. And then there was, there was my friend's boyfriend and me. And he's like six feet tall. And so we had to casually. And sous vide <laughs> dunk tank. Tank. Hot tub. Oh That's my a god! Long episode name. I want that. That's what's <laughs> happening. I want it. But like Don and I had to have a very. We did not know each other very well at all. This was the, like up at this cabin was the first time we had ever really hung out, and we had to figure out casually like what shape our fucking consummate V's had to be in, so that we we were like not getting in each other's space, but also not touching each other too much okay. like there was just going to be knees bumping into each other and we were fine with that but i needed to know like what was the territory his legs would be in where would mine be and then we can just kind of get comfy after that yeah find just somewhere to hang and relax <laughs> but even in that i still loved it i love him I, i'm addicted okay, to him. that's your jam that's my jam all right what about you so you're but your so your official answer was that you've been uh showering a little less frequently and not that yeah and you've been chill with it. Like, Sunday. Great example. I don't think I showered on Sunday. Pretty sure I didn't. Maybe I did. Pretty sure I didn't. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's one. There's no chance that a day would have gone by that I wasn't sure whether or not I showered. And it's just been days where I've already been told we're not having any Zoom meetings. You don't have to go talk to anybody. I'm still working. But I never – I would have always said when I clock in I have to take a shower – and this time around, like, I've worked for the first hour from bed recently. That's great. Sure. I'll put on, like, national news and just see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'll get caught up on my emails, you know, message around a little bit. And then when that's clear, then I get in the shower and then we go from there. And the few days where I haven't, it's, like, liberating. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Cool. Not going to shower. No, I can dig it. Yeah, like, yeah, I think uh, in recent years, in this... In the summer, I still have been a 100% daily shower person. This summer is the first time that I can think of in my life that I would take a couple, an occasional day off because hot summer days, like you just need a nice cool shower. Anyways, my answer to this would be uh, what we were already discussing previously in question number four: video games. You know, I'm a, I love video games. I love them. I've played all the greats. Uh, I'm, I'm probably a bigger video game nerd than even a lot of my friends realize this has made it so that, and, you know, referring back even to question three, 
you know, we're both very social creatures and I didn't know how I was going to deal with this early on, not being able to like travel freely and to go out and do things because I am not a homebody. I, I'll never be the kind of person that is cool hanging out at home, even on the weekdays. Like, even amidst that, I have to do stuff. Like, there's got to be a couple days in there that I'm I'm at, like, a friend's barbecue or, or something else. But amidst, like, my, my ordinary life, video games for me are, like, a late-night pursuit. Friends would be like, how'd you beat that game? You have no free time. Yeah, I start playing at 10.30 p.m., and I play till 2 a.m., and I do that like three days a week for a month and I beat the game. You know what I mean? But this year it's been like, all right, it's, it's a Saturday afternoon in the middle of the summer. Like I'm going to go outside and have a couple beers later, but you know what? I got nothing else to do right now. I'm going to play a fucking video game. And referring back to what I was saying about what a blessing this year has been in terms of the quality of games that have come out this year. I don't think there's ever been a better year for games on any console than the year that PlayStation 4 just had with Final Fantasy VII Remake number one with Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, even if you relegated it just to those three titles, I busted through all those fucking titles. And each of those, dude, combined between the three, let me do the math, 80, 60, probably 200 hours between those three titles. I mean, I, I have multiple friends that have said ghosts moved them more than any movie they saw this year. Oh, man. Yeah, that was like when we were talking about wanting to be inclusive to our partners regarding the quality of like the, the, the narrative of a story. That one, like, dude, like my hands were shaking the controller. Like I was so like in, in, the, in the spirit of the, the primary protagonist wanting vengeance like and i've always had an affinity for samurai culture of course and like everything about that and feudal times and and all that stuff like i knew the whole story about like the mongol invasion of japan there were two mongol invasions so i kind of like knew i mean the ending varies i won't say anything about it but like i knew kind of i knew the story the 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 narrative going in and i was like already energized that there was a title about this but then the execution of it i was just like riveted like i have goosebumps right now talking about it i don't care how nerdy that seems that's not oh man it's fucking spectacular and being able to experience that title feeling uninhibited by uh the threshold of time just being able to say like i have more time resources than i did a year ago today i was able to play it the way i like to play it because i don't know about you kwam and you can speak to this but when i play games i like to walk not run I like to smell the flowers, pick them if they let you, hone the sword, pet the horse. Like, I want to be the character. And games rush you along sometimes because they know most people are too impatient to want to experience it in that way. But that's what I want. Like, when I'm Cloud in Final Fantasy, I want to casually walk through Midgard, look up at the lights and the explosions and casually pull out my sword and get ready for battle. Not like run through everything. I'm not a speed runner. Dude, I, 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 it's, it's insane how much <laughs> that reads and registers with me. Uh, God of War 4, when I found out that the same runic alphabet that's tattooed twice on my skin 
is actually the Futhark alphabet. Oh, yeah. And you shit. can decode anything in that game if you just look at it. That was wild to me. And I spent probably the equivalent of 20 hours cruising around trying to translate everything on my own because yeah. I don't believe... <laughs> Very, very similar to my feelings on the Bible. Uh, I don't believe that anybody does a good job translating one language into another, especially if there's a massive time jump in between those. And actually getting to put the words together and then looking up what the words mean is you get a better understanding of that. How do you feel they did? I've honestly, like, I teared up probably three or four times when I realized that the love that the game makers put into the game was deeper than the people who translated it and, and wrote out and then acted out the dialogue. Like there's, there's a point where you get a map. If you follow, I got to give a shout out to my brother who definitely never listens to this um, because he is a completionist through and through. And he's the one that's kind of gotten me to start doing that where, mm-hmm. hey, you sometimes you make your character stronger if you do side quests before you do main quests. And yeah. So he's got me to a point. That's a good example of it, for sure. <laughs> and one of them, there's a, there's a couple different um, treasure hunting side quests that you can go on. And eventually you get this map. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what you're trying to piece together. But if you bought the actual physical copy of the game, you get the map inside. And once I figured out after a couple different trials through shit, I know how to spell my name from the name of the village in Viking Ruins. And I started to realize, like, oh, my God, they're actually using the real letters, not just some carvings that look like it. And then you go back and you look at the actual physical map that you got, and it tells you on the fucking map in the ruins how to find the treasure. You don't have to go through everything to figure it out. If you are ballsy enough or you recognize it, you can literally read through all of the directions on how to get the treasure, and then you go get the treasure. So it was, like, written out and yep. plain, I mean, translated. Daring you to look up the Futhark alphabet and see if you want to piece it together. Jesus. And, yes. like, little shit like that, like, I, I understand. <laughs> As a giant straight white dude, I'm not worried about my culture getting put away and the people that are fucking idiots. But the fact that, like... A gaming company gave that much of a shit about the culture that my ancestors came from to put all of that work into it. Yeah, Over- that is an actual culture. Like, you know? it's, 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 it's wild. a little different. Yeah. yeah. And and to to do it with that much love where even like the hairstyles of side characters are authentic to the time. Obviously the weapons aren't because it's a video game and it's way more fun to play with giant chainswords yeah, and throw I mean, at Kratos people. is fictional even by the standards of people who believe in those (laughs) deities (laughs) but all of the background lore like once you pick up there's a a, i'm not trying to give anything away here but you pick up sort of a sage that follows with you for most of the quest and the stories that he told were the stories that i read when i was a little kid and i got obsessed with norse mythology yeah it was pretty cool that they did the pivot to norse mythology and it was and the fact that it was that honest i don't know how well that would work but it's brilliant, and the next one comes out 2022, I believe, yeah. Ragnarok. Well, if everything holds the way it is, it'll be Ragnarok. Uh, it is. That's the subtitle. Well, no, no, God but, of War Ragnarok. I mean, it'll be coming out in 2022. Sorry, it'll be Ragnarok. Yeah, for the release date. And that's, like, that'll be the final play. You know, like, my mom named her puppy Loki. It's fun to be yeah. like, Loki's the god of mischief, but, like, literally... 
it's his arrogance and his uh, need for um, revereement that brings about the end of the world. So I was like, hey, just so you know, that track's a little serious in 2020 when a single human is so <laughs> arrogant that he would rather see the world destroyed than lose power. I'm just going to go ahead and say maybe we don't need to go that far. <laughs> so earlier you said that you played and enjoyed Last of Us. Have you played Last of Us 2? I haven't because Not I haven't yet. beat Last of Us. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, so I'm really bad at stealth Dude, games. Dude, watch. Go on, go on YouTube. Just go on YouTube. Yeah. Just watch it on YouTube and play Last of Us 2. Okay. I, too late. You so, know? <laughs> stealth games. I told several friends that because Last of Us 2 is so, like, it's massive. Well, and, and I have brilliant. it, and it's sitting on top of the PlayStation. Dude, just watch, just watch the, um, t- find what point you were at. Yep. And anyone can do this. Like, if you, like, I'm a big, I'm an avid uh, Twitch watcher, too. Mm-hmm. I watch, I love to watch other pl- people play games. Some people think that's the dumbest thing on earth. You hear it brought up a lot in terms of things people do that I don't understand, watching other people play video games. Well, if you have no intention of ever playing that game, it's actually kind of fun to experience it in another way. Like, let me see someone else experience it. I don't want to play that game, or at least not to completion. I had fun, but I had enough fun. I want to see the rest of the game. You can watch somebody play it. And then on YouTube, every game you can imagine, those games are all being played and professionally produced and set out onto YouTube so that you can watch the narrative. For a title like that, I had several friends. One of my one of my dear friends said, like, I want to play Last of Us 2, but I got to find my dusty old copy of the first one. I was like, just watch it on YouTube. Okay. Because the... Here's here's a spoiler, but it's not a real spoiler. Last of Us Two is like sixty hours. Yeah. It's huge. Well, and the sad part is, I, I hadn't thought about watching the rest of Last of Us One because I've been I, I need I desperately need a story game to get back into. I just finished Marvel Avengers, and I really loved that story. It's very PG, but mm. fuck, I loved it. And the fact that they put like a young Muslim girl in the lead role and let her grow and while growing as a superhero also stick stay true to who she is and they actually made her father like a real and compassionate character like it was hard not to get a little bit choked up seeing comic book culture even trying to change the culture that they had created up until now um but it wasn't like we all know nobody's gonna die we all know they're not gonna eliminate any characters so there's no real drama to it because it's fucking comic book heroes right i need something new to get into and i've been staring at the copy that my friend abe loaned me i'm surprised the ending of the first one hasn't been spoiled for you but i'll just say like make it it make it a mission it's because i never had a playstation i'm borrowing my brother's right now uh it's his playstation and i borrowed it to play with a friend of mine who is uh currently stuck in his house and incapacitated and then he bought the the new one and so he's on that game shit. and the, that game also deserves to get dapped up because it received a lot of negative user reviews because of representation people were mad about the way that various characters were representative of people that they don't understand and for many of those people actively dislike and for that i was happy that it just won game of the year at the video game awards and having played it myself it's spectacular like the production value of that game is shocking you wouldn't believe how polished this game is for how long it is it's like someone made a 60-hour movie yeah how is this possible 
uh, and it's well worth experiencing. So my that's my recommendation right. to you I'm is in. watch watch the narrative of the original Last of Us past the point where you already were. All the important good bits are the very last, uh, the home stretch. And then get in there because, dude, when you get in there, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? I tried playing Uncharted 4 after. So I bought Uncharted 4 when I got a PlayStation 4 and never finished it. And then I played, I just like threw it aside because I buy too many games. Like that's, and again, if it was this year, I would have played it. Yep. But I buy all these games and then I'm like, yeah, what's new? Because I don't have enough, I didn't have enough time to play it. So after playing Last of Us 2, I was so moved by it. I was like, Naughty Dog, you were in this one. I beat every other Uncharted. I may as well beat this one too. But it was an impossible act to follow. It made Uncharted 4 feel like such an old game. Like the mechanics of it felt ancient by comparison. So the story <laughs> feels cheaper and everything's just like, ugh. And the mechanics, the, ba- the game mechanics, you know, like hiding in tall grass. Your guy's glowing yellow. He's clearly standing with his knees barely bent. And there's guys walking around him with like uh, baristikovs that are like, where is he? I can't find him. Oh, I must have lost him. <laughs> Dude, st- he probably didn't exist. I'm standing upright in like three blades of grass. I'll just turn my back to him. <laughs> then nothing will happen. Kalishnikov? What, what the fuck did I say? Barishnikov. Barishnikov. I was going to let that one go because I was like, I am tap dancing now. I was going to say AK, also, but it's too typical. This is vaguely... Ka- is it Kalishnikov? Kalishnikov. All right. That's, yes. See, I totally know that gun that Russian this people like, manufactured. Maybe we use like part Russian, part stock American Middle Eastern know. accent. Barishnikov like, has to be something. Yeah, he's the ba- ballet dancer. <laughs> Mikhail Brishnikov. The Nutcracker. Yeah, or, or well, they're from, not carrying. Or from White Nights with Gregory Hines, where Gregory Hines okay. is a tap dancer and Mikhail Brishnikov is a ballet dancer and they smuggle his ass out of fucking Soviet Russia. Okay. So these gangsters <laughs> that are trying to kill you in Uncharted are not carrying uh, classic. Nutcracker tap dance. Wouldn't that be awesome if they were? Though? Yeah, maybe I would actually enjoy. It. Then I wouldn't have taken it so seriously. Like I'm not hidden. I kill you. Now you're fucking dead. All right, let's go. What do we got? Let's move on to the final shot. We're bringing it home. I went from the farthest away Akavit that I had to the closest to home. This is Gamla Ode. And I didn't want to give away my final one, but this is my ultimate savory cocktail enhancer. Oh, so I'm going to pour some off of you. This is their dill, uh, fresh dill akavit. I love dill. I love dill. You can just call me Dillium H. Macy. I use that for, like, everything, too. Like, in the, in the summer when I'm grilling, I'm like, you can just call me Grillium H. Macy. <laughs> Why that name always? <laughs> I, like, I like that it's him, too, of all Why? people. This sounds good, I think. Uh, I will say, though, you shouldn't feel bad. Uh, Mine is much worse. Every time. Shout out to Jenny Witt, a.k.a. the wild comedian mind behind LizDraper.com for all of your (laughs) slightly out-of-center Christmas needs. Um, I call this my... uh, Every time somebody has it, they're like, oh, that's so good. I'm like, yeah, that dildo. (laughs) <laughs> that dildo. That dildo. Oh, man. That Dude, dildo. This is so fucking good. William so H. Macy. Uh, this is made right across the uh, border in Wisconsin, Ooh. in Richmond, Wisconsin. Wow. Um, they immediately, when they put their Akavit out, it was already my favorite Akavit around here. I will say that uh, Tattersall's straight 
really, really runs neck and neck with that. I love Tattersall's Akavit 100%. But then they made a celebration rye, which upped the rye content. And I was like, okay, well, this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then they rolled out the dill one. It's their straight Akavit with a shit ton of fresh dill put in for, I think it's like for a day or two. And Ooh. then they pull it out and barrel it. And this with citrus juice is absolutely my favorite cocktail on earth right now. This with citrus? Yeah. What do you what do you use? Uh, Lemon? I, I do grapefruit and pineapple with this and then with um, some Campari. That is delightful. Even just from smelling this, I already know I'm going to love it. Oh, it's so All right. Great. Skull. Cheers. Skull. Ooh. That is good enough to drink. I love that so much. Mm. You mm. know what you should do? You should do three minutes on the history of Aquavit because I'm going <laughs> to excuse myself. Yeah. We, we say fuck it. Let's do it live here. Fuck it. We'll do it live. That's the way we we'll do, do it. Do it live. Uh, yeah. Akavit is an incredibly delicious spirit. It's very, very herbaceous and spicy. Um, it's like a bigger, bolder version of gin. It just uses more heavy-handed ingredients, but really, really good producers can actually drill down on that. Um, I actually would like to take a second right now, and if you're listening and if you're trying to figure out how to put a little bit more good or cheer out into the world, um, if you go onto Instagram and you go to an account called Transanta, T R A N S. A-N-T-A. Um, if you click on their link in the bio, it'll take you to uh, curated Christmas wish lists from uh, trans youth all around the country um, that are just trying to find some love for the Christmas season. Um, a lot of them have been kicked out of their families. They have uh, on, and, on and off the street. Um, obviously, I hope you know that trans youth, especially black and brown trans youth, are at the highest level of suicide rates and of bullying and of assault. And these were just beautiful human beings that wrote in a wish list for some things that would make their lives easier and target turned them all into uh, registry lists. So if you have a little extra money uh, this holiday season, you're trying to figure out how to make it directly help somebody, you can go on to their uh, Instagram site. And if you go on the link in the bio, you can click on everybody's personal story and it'll give you a handwritten letter that you can read through of what their situation is and you can see um, what would make it feel like the holidays to them. Um, For a lot of people, it's like clean underwear and socks and soaps. Um, I don't know. I I just really feel like, especially given the things that we're talking about and given how fortunate and, uh, and lucky Charles and I are to have our friendship and to have this podcast and have the ability to talk to all you wonderful humans and to have a theater like this that lets us record here. Um, I got to do whatever I can to try and pay that back into the world. So uh, just check it out. I don't know if you give a shit about people around you or you've had a good time or you've laughed at a few things that we've said on this. um, Just check it out again. It's uh, on Instagram. It's at trans Santa. So T R A N s a n t a it's a single s in in between uh and then just look at the link in the bio um obviously with everything going on we'll anything about too yeah anything that we can do to try and put out some goodness in the world i just i just feel like it's worth it and i know that um i have a few other fortunate friends that have been trying to figure out what they can do to help 
And I, I love big causes. I love getting behind things. I love emceeing fundraisers. It's something that's in my blood. Um, but knowing that you can directly change a single person's life directly is, I know I said directly twice, but I really want to like push that. Um, it's a beautiful thing and it's impossible not to be moved when you start reading those stories. So that's the end of my, my PSA for the holidays. Um, to cheer it back up here as we're pulling into the station, the final question for you, Charles, is if I'm going to say we're, we're going to try and put a little bit of like knock on wood, uh, good out into the world. You just tap the floor, dude. Tap the floor. Uh, if, the summer of 2021 can be a more cautious version of the summer of 2019. What are you looking forward to doing? And it could be, it could be an ethereal thing. It could be a very specific thing. It could be something anywhere in the middle. Is there anything that you are already starting to try and convince yourself to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, we lost out on a lot of experiences this year. And the easy answer for me as an individual, as like a living, breathing, occasionally selfish human being, is traveling. But I think that's everybody's answer. That's the easy answer. What I'm most looking forward to is actually being able to take my brother tony who's disabled like to a movie just like can we go to a fucking movie uh you know that poor guy hasn't been able to leave his house for a long time i want people to kind of frame that up i don't think that enough people are adjacent to someone that is uh immunocompromised or disabled and realizes the impact that this has had on those people experiences that we've lost out on at least i can still freely move about even if it means like going on a ride or walking the dog or something my brother cannot do that so i'm very much looking forward this isn't just for like his pleasure it's for mine i love going to movies with my brother or experiencing really anything else with him but that's like a simple pleasure you know never mind like big stuff just in terms of what we hopefully will be able to do if we're vaccinated and things are cautiously optimistic, uh, next spring, late spring, summer, you know, Fauci says we're looking toward maybe next spring approaching some herd immunity. But my hope is that I can take my bro to a movie and I don't even know what's coming on next year because everything's going on HBO Max and shit. <laughs> but it'll be it'll be released in in. Isn't it supposed to be released at the same time in the theater? Though? There's going to be some that, yeah, yeah like or at least even, the big ones. Even uh, Wonder Woman was at eighty four. Yeah. So that they said that's going to be both, yep. but there are no there are no theaters open, not here anyways, not in the state of Minnesota. But uh, that that so that comes out on Christmas Day. So I'll be watching that with him in his home. But we'll have to see what like the next summer schedule looks like. It'd be great if we knew we could safely go to an actual full-blown movie theater, giant screen, the whole shebang, post up and watch a movie because it's crazy how long it's been since we've been able to do that. And it's such a small thing. You know, people talking about their, like, you know, I'm not going to get hyper-political here. And I I do hate when people say that. But really, the point I'm making is I'm not going to get into all the, like, rigmarole of, of this. But when people say... You can't take my freedom from me, but because of people like that, we can't go to a movie. Yep. 
you understand that we've set ourselves back? Like, we, <laughs> those are things that are, it's difficult to comprehend that we have constantly stifled ourselves throughout this year as a society so that we can't have the simple pleasures like going to a movie with someone, you know, like my brother or even, I know I have friends who've gone to movies, but it can't be the same. Nothing's the same. Nope. Let's be honest. I mean, I want to support my friends and, and I want them to do well with their like bars and, and restaurants and stuff. But for me personally, particularly having such close contact with someone who is uh, so compromised and so vulnerable, there's no way I could enjoy a meal until the dust has settled. Yep. I simply could not enjoy myself. And so I am. Yeah, there, there are a lot of I mean, even just, hey, there's another one. There's so many. There are so many. And, of course, the easy answer for you or I or anyone who is like us would be, I can't wait to make up for those trips that we lost yeah. out on. We missed a wedding in the Dominican. We missed a trip to Tokyo that Japan. I got my wife for our anniversary. Yeah. Uh, boys trip to Denver. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that, you know, in due time we'll, we'll make up for lost time. But something as simple as that. I want to take my brother to a movie. How That's about you? Awesome. Man, yeah, it's... Uh... I miss on, on like a really, really selfish level. I miss hugs. Like I, I feel like I <laughs> yeah. give like a really good hug. Like I, I'm proud of the hug I give. They're all right. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I hate that. Like, I don't even want to, when I see people now, you know, like I, the first thing I immediately do, I used to be like, you know, the fucking six foot six stretch would be like coming for you. Yeah, rushing people. And now, yeah. it's, now it's like I throw up the forearm immediately mm-hmm. so that I just let you know I'm only cool with, like, a forearm bump or an elbow bump. Yeah. And, like, that, on a tactile level, I really do miss that. There are, there are a few humans in my life that I really, uh, like, shit. Uh, Nicole Popowitz hugged me before she got married so hard she broke the strap of her wedding dress. <laughs> like, I miss hugs like that where it's like, for just a second, you don't know if you're going to get another breath. And like, it's one of the best feelings. Yeah, it's sure. a really great feeling. So th- that, on like a macro level, I think that's what I hope we can get to. I just want to... When do you think people are going to hug, like really hug? It, for me, it'll be when I feel like I'm safe. I, I, no, I'm saying even when the coast is clear, you, do, you, do you realize that there is going to be like this gestation period? There yep. are going to be... We're still going to have this. We're going to look at people in a way mm-hmm. like when you were in seventh grade and you want to hug your friend who was a girl, even though you didn't have any romantic feelings. And you'd be like, I want to hug you because I like you because we're friends. Is it all right to but do? Can I? Right. So we're yeah. going to be doing that for a while. Well, I think but- that'll be in perpetuity, but maybe it just means that you're pickier and choosier with like who you hug. Like, I'm almost happy with that. Like, I would take less hugs in general or less hugs from more people and more hugs from a select few. I hope we hug more. Yeah, I hope me too. I, I hope I hope we get to the point where we feel comfortable giving another person a hug. And it's not I mean of course there are a select yep. group of people that I would absolutely love to hug that I haven't hugged in a very long time. But there's also like I want to hug just people. Yeah. You know, like not randoms but like even people I'm not that close to. I love yeah. to hug. Just give someone a squeeze. What I'm saying is there's going to be some trauma. There's going to be this this period where even if it is 100% coast clear, people are going to have to consent to hugging in a way that we didn't used to have to. It used to be you'd run up to your friend and be like, come here, and you'd squeeze them, and they'd squeeze you back. But now you have to look at each other like, are we doing this? Well, but, like, at least <laughs> at least you don't have a track record of it. Like, 
I'm a white guy. We already fuck up a handshake because no matter what, <laughs> if you come in with a hand open, we'll come in with a pound. And if you come in with a fist, we'll come in with a hand open. And then we'll do the really awkward thing. Like, man, yeah. like, I already know we're bad at it. Then we're going to add a questionable hug into it. Like, oh, I'm, no. I'm nervous about that. <laughs> but I feel like... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like... I feel like the people that I really love, that'll that'll be enough of a, a placebo until we get to the point yeah. where like I can go back to like strangers hugging me, which honestly is a weird thing, but like I love when I like do or something. Just someone you kind of know, it's yeah. like give me a hug. You're you're like, Bam! They give a good one and not like the weird mom one where they tap on the outside of your shoulder blades. Yeah. Like if that's your hug, miss me. Right. Fucking just give me a handshake. Your hug energies have to align. Exactly. They have those to. are those are my chakras. Hug energy. Yep. Right. Oh, I want to hug people who like to hug. I don't want to hug people that don't like to hug. Oh God, we got to stop. We, me. we have to talk about this more in this episode because holy or on <laughs> on this show because okay. hug energy is real. I understand that not everybody wants like to be picked up. I I don't do that shit. Oh, yeah. But like if you're gonna you come in, that a long time. Ago. If you're gonna come in with the little noodly arms and shit, mm. that's like doing the limp handshake. Just mm. don't. Just say I'm not a hugger. I'd love that. Mm. Like I have I have one friend. You can stop it. Just put the hand in the, to your chest. Yeah, there you go. And then we'll hook hands. Yep, and that's perfect. And then we'll do like the you know the chest happy one. I have a, a female friend who I'm not gonna call out because I don't know if she listens <laughs> to this or not. She hates hugs okay. and it makes me want to hug her more <laughs> and i have not been able to do that in a calendar year which i'm sure is like great for her but like i just want to hug her be yeah. like, oh i miss you so much and then watch her be uncomfortable but it's only because she told me is she, it like is it more like the dog licking you is like oh, yeah man. yeah she's not like she doesn't freak out <laughs> yeah no i'm there's yeah, that, yeah. That, that's not a level what i'm saying is it like ah oh, fine you fucker <laughs> yeah, yeah yes okay. like she hugged me at her wedding she came up to me and she's like i know you're gonna want this anyway so come here all I'm right like, you fucker <laughs> yeah. uh but but the 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 direct thing that I want to happen. There's a few trips that I'm dreaming about, but I didn't want to say it because I think I'm going to jinx it. But uh, the thing that I'm dreaming about the most, um, and you can ask her about this on the Valentine's Day episode, I fucked up when Jenny and I first started talking. Jenny was going to Coachella uh, to see Rage Against the Machine for the their reuniting for like one tour only tour. And uh, I, we had hung out a little bit. And we all had Rage tickets. Yeah. We had Rage tickets on the same day. Right? I've never seen Rage. So I have, and she has now. It's one of my only like regrets. This would have been brought up in the Sutherland episode, except it was a different question. Yeah. But I was like, I'm finally going to see Rage. And psych. Yeah. So she was going to Coachella, and she was going with some friends, and she's like, do you want to come? And I'm doing a bonus shot, by the way. Beauty. I'll, I'll join you. And I was, uh, I was fresh off a of divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I could think was, I've hung out with this amazing woman a few times, and we're going to plan this thing months down the road. And then she's going to realize that she's not actually interested in me. So is this further down the road than the duration of time that you had already been together at that time? No. No. We were still unknown to anybody around us. We were, like, sneaking away Right, go, so, like, so it was shit. it was further. The plan was further down the road. Yes, than it was. The it was amount so, of time you had already been together. So if I if if I have this if I have my memory correct on this, and I'm sure she remembers things way better than I do, so yeah. she'll tell me I'm wrong. But this would have been like um, like May June, and the Coachella show was in July. 
or like early August. It was somewhere in there. Oh, okay. And you'd been just k- kicking it for like a month or something? Since Memorial Day. So this is yeah, like yeah. a okay. few weeks into it. We had worked uh, together for uh, a couple months. Got it. So she like knew, I'm, I'm not a stranger to her, but we had like started actually hanging out like a few weeks into this. Were you still working together at that time? Yep. Oh, that makes it even weirder. Yeah. And nobody. things don't work out and you got a plan to go, you know. Like, and that's where my brain was. So. I was. I was thinking <laughs> short term, what could go wrong? And I didn't realize that my future wife was like, actually, this could work, and you should probably just come in and have fun. Mm-hmm. And it was the band Muse, who I've never seen live, opening for Rage Against the Machine. That was like the build-up to it. And I chickened out because all I could think of was nothing in my life ever works out. This probably won't either. She's too amazing and too gorgeous and too funny and too beautiful. And I still think all those things about her, but the only difference is... I don't think that she's just going to, like, bounce. (laughs) And I was like, well, you'll get sick of this, and then we'll break up, and we'll stop doing shit, and then the trip will be really weird because you won't want to hang out with me, and you're going with your best friend and another close friend of yours who I know, but I don't know super well. So the odds are I'm going to be going to Coachella alone (laughs) and then, like, trying to figure out. You know, like, I was just – I was at that point where everything in my life sucked anyway, and I don't want to put faith in anything because for a calendar year, I hadn't. I had just assumed that everything was going to be bad forever because if you assume everything isn't going to work, you'll be right because you'll tank everything, period. So that weekend rolls around. She goes out to L.A. They have the greatest fucking time ever. The show was incredible. Muse was insane. Like, it's just nothing but texts about how amazing all this shit is. Mm-hmm. And I was just sick to my stomach. And I'm like, well, they finally had like a good run. So they'll probably go back on tour again. And then, of course, nope. Zach yeah. disappeared. Band broke up. Everything's done. So I got us tickets to Rage for this year. And now it got bounced to next year. And we'll have to just see if it actually works. Right. But I was really excited I took the refund. I was like, oh. I can get tickets later. We, we just stuck with it. Yep. I, who knows what's going to happen. So. But my thing was, hey, I finally have a chance to see Rage Against the Machine with my now wife. So that's... I will never miss that fucking show. There you go. So that's what Period. you... That's okay. what I'm hoping will happen. Cool. And if it doesn't... Dude, we could do a rapid fire right now of like anything that we're looking forward to doing next year. Is there, Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Is there a movie that you really want to see more than anything else next year? Like in the theater? In the theater. Actually, I don't. Dude, I have, I have kept zero track of what is supposed to be in the theater next year due to this very fact. You know? Like, I, I don't know what's coming out next year. But in terms of, like, things we want I'll start. I'll start off. Things we want to do next year. I want to have someone. I want to have people in my house for dinner. I want you, yep. Jenny, to come over for curry again. Yep. You know, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, the movie thing. I desperately want to see Wonder Woman 84 in the theater. Yeah. I want to go to see live music. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to go to a coffee shop and run into somebody else that I love at the coffee shop and then sit down and have a coffee. Yeah. Like hang out with a stranger and yep. in pr- close proximity. Yep. Just bullshit. Yeah, for sure. Like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, you know, the easy answer we've been over this is I want to. I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to anywhere. Madison? I don't care. I want to go to another city and just, like, hang out. This, uh, this fall, well, late summer, early fall, 
we two years ago had started planning a trip to Louisville to do the um, the Bourbon Trail. Yeah, and I'm still optimistic that it might happen. I don't I don't know how I feel about it. I think yeah. my I think my spring my spring trip to Norway to celebrate Jenny and I's tenure. I, I, I think I'm okay saying that that goose is probably cooked, but whether that means we push it out for a year or it means we do it later, I got to figure that out. Right. But I desperately want to get to the, like the American South with her. Cause I eating my way and drinking my way through that region has put me in touch with the actual heart of the region, not the giant plantation houses and the bullshit antebellum that they want to sell you. It's through those, those kind of trips where you're grabbing the best barbecue you've ever had out of a gas station and you're drinking whiskey that some guy made at this little distillery down the road. Like that's yeah. that again, going back to the, the, the poor of the world have made everything that we enjoy. And this just goes right in with it. Like, yeah, a lot of ingenuity is born out of literally I the most say, Im- desperation. The most you know? impoverished region in the country at the time, yeah, came up with what we now say is our national beverage. You know, like barbecue culture is also from North and South Carolina all the way through that down to Texas and around. Again, that was the people that had no other option, so they had to find a way to make it work, and. I have never, I am fortunate enough that I've never really had to worry about where I was going to find food and sustenance, but I have been homeless in my life and I have literally had nowhere to go twice in my life. And because of that, I identify very strongly with, with that ethos of how can I make the best out of what I got? Sure. Cause otherwise, if you don't do that, the reality is crippling and just about everything that I like, including music, if you draw the lines back, it always goes back to people that felt that way. And to me, that's that connection with art that I used to make in my head, and now I desperately want to make in person. So, like, part of me going down to Louisville and cruising through that area, I also want to, like, I just want to listen to music. Because that's the roots of R&B, that's the roots of soul, that's the roots of jazz, that's also the roots of country. Like, that's where all of that came from. And I just want to... Yeah, that encompasses a lot of those experiences, I'm sure, that we're missing out on right now. Yeah. So... I also just want to be able to walk into a bar and hear the sound of a group of people talking and not be able to hear a single thing anyone's saying. That is a very calming sound for me. Yeah. And I hate that I haven't heard it. Little bursts of laughter. Yeah. And, and everything in between. Or like yeah. the one girl that's like, woo! And then you like yeah. laugh because you're like, somebody fucks her. Like that's, <laughs> you know, like that's, we all have a, a, a certain someone out there. Like that's the dude that just like bros up to the bar and you're like, what the fuck? And then you realize he's got like eight other friends that like, it's, it's the most democratizing point. It evens everybody's social strata. Like it doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor, you're going to get a beer when you get a beer, you're going to get a drink when you get a drink. That aspect of our culture. All coexisting in the same space. Yeah. You don't get a better chair because you're rich like you do on a plane. You know? You can't pay for better service just because... So, it, yeah, they got, some places have shitty little VIP lounges. But yeah. I don't go to most of those places. So. <laughs> oh, fuck with that shit. <laughs> I'm going to do one more bump, and this is, a, uh, this is looking forward to... I, I poured one in the next year. 
not only that, but actually, I'm. This is a retrospective episode. The lesson that we were we were putting forth when we decided to do this was that for as terrible a year as this was, there are things we can shine a light on. And I know a lot of people have endured loss this year, uh, ourselves included. Yep. I hope that we all find ourselves stronger for what we've endured as a society. And I hope that we are able to pull positive experiences out of this calendar year as well. I think that some good has come of it. And I think that we've reflected on some of those things for yourself and for myself. And I, I hope that our listeners feel the same way as always, you know, think about the things we've talked about, how they uh, pertain to your own life and uh, cheers to that. I would say, yeah, I, you know, Charles, you've been an incredible influence on me in trying to figure out like, okay, like things can be tough, but how do you reframe it? How do you think about it? And I think sometimes we all need a second to reframe what's going on in our world because you get in the middle of it and that's really hard to see out. And if you can take a deep breath and try and take a, st- uh, like a step back and think about it, I think that's it's a really important thing for us all to be able to do. Uh, and then I guess at the end of the day, just whatever it is that brings you positivity and hope for tomorrow, that's what we, uh, we all got to work with. It can always be better. It can always, it can be, always be worse. <laughs> exactly. So to all of you out there, thanks for an incredible year. And we're looking to do a shitload more episodes in 2021. Yes, please. We love you out there. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir.